Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Red Light Report. Today's guest is one of those that when I even began conceiving of having a podcast, centered around red light therapy and light in general. Matt Maruka was one of the top on my list to to interview. And so years later, here he is. And and for those not familiar with Matt Maruka, if you're in the space of red light therapy and light frequency, health, and wellness, then, then you probably are familiar with Matt Maruka, who is the founder and CEO of Raw Optics, which is a company centered around blue light blocking glasses, arguably the top company in that space. And he founded Raw Optics after a decade-long personal health journey that ultimately led him to light as a source of healing. He spends his time teaching, traveling, working with top executives and celebrities, uh, and building the future of lighting for the world. On top of all of that, as a personal personal hobbies, Matt enjoys singing, reading, running and surfing and especially traveling and exploring and and if you follow Matt on on Instagram or on social media you you can see he travels he's all over the place but you can tell he's centered around health for his own personal uh, or light as his own personal health and wellness journey but educating the masses on light as a source of health and wellness not just external light if you will but I've noticed over the years he's very centered on the internal light source, which I'm sure we'll get into both aspects. But without further ado, Matt, uh, welcome to the Red Light Report. Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And yeah, my, my pleasure as always. And as I was alluding to, personally, I've been following you for years and years and well before I even started this podcast. And even before I founded BioLite, quite honestly, I got onto the whole Jack Cruz thing where I was listening to all of his episodes. And there in his episodes, this this kid, Matt Maruka, kept showing up time and time again. And so you have a very interesting story, which I'm sure you've told countless times. But just for the audience today, walk us through your health journey, kind of where you came from to get where you are today, where light is such a central part of your, your not just your health journey, but your overall life. Built a company from the ground up. You're traveling. You're working with some high-end people. Tell us your journey. Yeah, well, first of all, again, I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I appreciate you having me, Mike. So um, as far as my own health and wellness journey goes, I got into this space in 2014 or 15. I was about 15 years old. I had tried diets to improve a variety of health issues I was facing, which were primarily gut issues, allergies, and headaches. Uh, I had before that tried Western medicine. I had been prescribed Tums for gut issues, Advil for headaches, and Zyrtec and Claritin for my allergies by specialists, by a gastroenterologist, well, a pediatrician for the headaches, and by an allergist for the allergies. So that was my experience of Western medicine. I think people can get that concept pretty simply and what it implies. And uh, I had actually accepted at the time as a 12-year-old or 11-year-old that that was genetic and I couldn't do anything about it. You know, I don't think... I would have known any better and it was what it was. I trusted my mother and she tried her best. Eventually I saw a naturopath and I did a yeast cleanse and the kinesiology and 
putting the things on my stomach and telling me to hold while he would test my resistance with my arm to see what was going on and what medicines and herbs I was responding to and what might be the issue. And I actually think there was a benefit to that. It was so long ago. I don't really remember the details, but at least it was a step in the right direction and kind of got some awareness around diet has an effect, right? You should be careful with that. Anyway, by the time I was 14 years old, I started getting really, really bad uh, acne breakouts in high school. And in addition, already having debilitating allergies and, and uh, really, really, I would say uncomfortable gut issues throughout much of my middle school years and even elementary school years. Now I had these migraine headaches and then I was getting these, uh, these breakouts on my skin of acne. And I was needless to say, pretty self-conscious as most teenagers are, most humans are. And I started researching on the internet why this was happening. And I'm really grateful for my mother being uh, organic minded and always trying to provide us with healthy food, even though I eat a bunch of junk on my own time with my buddies and so on. Uh, we, she had told me that if I eat greasy food, it'll clog my pores. And I had no idea, just never thought about it. You know, it made sense to me though. And then uh, when I started eating all this fried food at school, I started getting these breakouts and I thought maybe mom's right. And then I just had this idea, maybe something's wrong with my gut. Maybe my gut's damaged because not all my friends have this issue. So, you know, maybe it was just something going wrong in my stomach and it just kind of made sense to me given the way my stomach felt. Maybe my gut was just somehow messed up. It was like a light bulb moment, right? Uh, anyway, who I don't know where that came from, but I'm glad it came because it led me to the paleo diet. You start researching about damaged gut, you come to paleo. So I did the whole paleo thing and within weeks, of going paleo from a more processed food-based diet, I all of a sudden was feeling much better. Like you take out the toxins and the, you know, things that are super inflammatory, no brainer, you're going to feel a lot better. Right. And so I was, you know, sold hook, line and sinker by the primal blueprint and some of the other bloggers in the space uh, and great information, great people, great intentions. I believe that food was the be all end all Mike. And I know you're familiar with this concept because you said you listened to Jack Cruz. So I was completely sold because of how much better I felt. You know, why wouldn't you be? So then when I still had some residual symptoms, some fatigue, some of, you know, some gut issues still here and there, I was convinced that it was because my diet must not have been perfect enough. Because when you're in the world of food is the only thing that matters for health, you know, in Primal Blueprint, Mark, Mark Sisson was writing, you know, it's 80% food, 20% everything else, Right. So when I was listening, I believed that information and especially considering my experience. And so it was like, well, what do I have to change about my diet to get that remaining, you know, benefit? And I became obsessed. Uh, I became super obsessed. Uh, great term, I would say, is orthorexic. And many people experience this today in the diet, health and wellness world. You know, you get so obsessive about the specific things you're eating that if you make one mis mistake, it's like a guilt trip. It's a horrible, uh, I would say it's not a fun place to be. Anyway, all of that's to say that uh, I, I ended up getting stricter and stricter with my diet. I went to the autoimmune paleo diet. I went to the gut and psychology syndrome, the GAPS diet, which is much more popular now than it was in 2015. And actually I ended up feeling worse and worse. I was kind of going keto. I felt very restricted. I was still a young growing guy, but I was just feeling pretty limited in what I could eat and socially as well. And I would make a kind of give in to the part of me that wanted to just be normal and eat something that my friends were eating. Then I guilt myself and eat all the junk and binge eat, feel like crap. So I went through this whole cycle. Um, now this is 10 years ago or so almost. 
I went through this whole cycle as a teenager, a young teenager, just trying to figure this out. And uh, I was so obsessed about food, as you can imagine, and you can get from the story. When I finally came across this idea that there's more to health than food, it blew my mind. I came across this researcher who you mentioned, Dr. Jack Cruz. I should say he's a neurosurgeon and sort of a blogger at the same time, very intelligent, genius, one of the smartest people I've ever met and known. And Dr. Jack Cruz, as you know, is making this really interesting point that, hey, if your gut is damaged, or I should say, if if you're having these kinds of issues and you're struggling with food and you're trying all these diets and they're not working for you, it could be that it's not all about the food, but that there's a circadian rhythm element because the gut cells turn over every 48 hours or so. So if your circadian rhythm's messed up, then that process is going to be disrupted, right? And that really struck me. And then he was speaking about how if your mitochondria, your cellular engines are damaged by artificial light and so on, then there's a chance that, and in fact, a very high chance that your body won't be able to utilize the nutrients from your so-called perfect diet because there are other factors. The best analogy I've made, you've probably heard me share it, is the car analogy. Imagine you got in your car one day, you turn it on, you start driving, and all of a sudden it's blowing black smoke and you can't accelerate once you get out of the driveway. Well, what the food world is basically telling people is go to the gas station and go from regular gas to premium, upgrade your gas to premium and add some fuel additives to try to help clean things out, right? So you do that. You might see a little benefit for a short while, but then you realize, well, my car is still not accelerating past 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. It's blowing black smoke. There's still a problem, right? And I'm not a car expert, but you, you get the idea. Anyway, the then you go to a mechanic, obviously, and you say, well, you know, mechanic, please tell me what's going on. And they look inside the hood and they say, well, your spark plugs are worn out. So of course you're they're misfiring. Your engine's not working properly. We need to replace the spark plugs. So you do that. And all of a sudden you go back to regular gas and everything's working fine. Well, the, the idea of mitochondria and their role in health is much like the car engine. In other words, just trying to improve mitochondria by changing the fuel doesn't necessarily fix the issues. If the issues are caused by something else, which for most people, they are. Now, it's hard to say exactly because everybody's in a different environmental condition, but things like toxins from our environment, like glyphosate, glyphosate, the uh, the chemicals that you know are sprayed on our food have negative effects on our mitochondria. Artificial light is one of the biggest offenders with you know circadian rhythm disruption, as you're you know very well aware. Lack of sunlight, so lack of full spectrum light containing red and near infrared, which is where your products can come in and support people when they're struggling, right? These are all things that we can do. To support that engine. So anyway, to to kind of come to the how how I got to the present with this uh, story, how I got to what I'm doing now, I applied these principles that I was learning as I studied the work of Dr. Cruz, as well as all of these other researchers who had he had taken a lot of the pieces and put them together. And I went and actually went to the source, and I wanted to study from the the German photobiologist, for example. You know the the British researcher who studied the origin of life, Dr. Nick Lane. And I wanted to learn from these people and understand if this stuff was actually true, if I'm going to bet my life on it in some extent, you know, to some extent. And sure enough, I was convinced this is the thing. I went all in uh, after high school. I started a company and I felt significantly better. Not only did my symptoms get better like they had with the food in the beginning, but my physical state improved significantly. I was a pretty pale and really lean kid growing up. And uh, I definitely immediately put on a lot more mass. I had been eating meat for years, but it was the 
going in the sun significantly more that activated my hormones and the thyroid and all these different systems. So anyway, my body just started to work better. Now I'm not a bodybuilder, but uh, you know, just physically went from sort of what I would describe as like your sort of scrawnier, not really fit archetype to just sort of like fit by default, which is how I believe we're designed to be. Even if you don't go out and lift tons of weights all the time, you can still be relatively fit. You might not be the bulkiest or the biggest. You get the idea. There's a healthy default that our body can lean into just with some basic movement, healthy eating and sunlight, for example, clean water, you know, the whole bit. Anyway, um, started the company after high school. I was interested in doing something that mattered. I was not interested in sitting in a classroom and having some professor tell me what they think and what they believe, which I at that point was convinced that most everything I was taught and would be taught wasn't even true. So I thought, why would I waste my time with that in an artificially lit classroom, sleeping in a dorm with Wi-Fi that you know I can't control? I wasn't interested, obviously. So it was kind of like a almost like a survival thing. I need to need to start my own company and do my own thing and be independent. And sure enough, this opportunity came up where there is, you know, blue light protection eyewear was one of the most useful things I found in the journey for improving sleep and just comfort above all else, you know, not being exposed to this abrasive artificial light at night, but improving sleep quality, cellular regeneration, et cetera. There was nothing on the market that blocked the right wavelengths of light and looked good. Nothing. There were a couple companies, one that had tried called Carbon Shade prior to us that did a Kickstarter, ended up, they're not really around anymore at all. Um, they, in the end, they were very low quality and it looks like they were focused more on uh, marketing and, and money-making than the mission. And therefore, you know, with that kind of approach in this kind of industry, as, as you know, it's not that easy. You really have to want to make the change and get the information out, right. And be committed for when things get really, really difficult, which they can. Uh, there was some other companies that had more stylish glasses like Swanwick, but they didn't block the right wavelengths of light and beyond Swanwick. They were at least better than most. They had orange lenses. The majority still are clear lenses that block none of the right wavelengths. So anyway, it was up to me. You know, I had custom glasses made for myself. But when I realized uh, from actually Luke Story, the podcaster, he had asked me, hey, how'd you get those? I want those. And uh, I realized, wait a minute, this could be an opportunity because the fashion people want this. The health people want this. So I started the company. It started as a, uh, a Google form with people in the community through Facebook who wanted to send in a frame and have it tinted in my garage. So we were tinting lenses in my garage. It was originally called Matt's Custom Blue Blockers. And then I had read a few startup books and one of them basically said, listen to your customers, <laughs> take their feedback. And somebody said to me, well, hey, that, that book was the lean startup, a really great startup book for anyone who's interested. But uh, and there was a lot more to it than that. But in this case, that applied. Customer said, hey, why don't you just offer some fixed styles so that we don't have to just send in our own glasses and pick something online? And I thought, well, probably should do that. And all of a sudden, it's no longer Matt's Custom Blue Blockers. This thing is a brand. It needs its own name. And Raw came to my awareness through Dr. Jack Cruz, actually, just the name on a, on a meme that he had posted. And uh, I thought, well, Raw is a pretty cool name. God of Sunlight, Medicine, Healing of Egypt, very powerful. Raw optics made sense. So that's how the company started. There's a lot more since then, but uh, I appreciate you asking. And thanks for uh, letting me share that, that story, how we got here. 
If you're a red light therapy enthusiast, then you are probably most interested in a full body red light therapy apparatus. And typically that can be accomplished with a panel. And so you stand in front of it and then rotate like a rotisserie chicken. Or like from BioLite, there's the innovative matrix, which is flexible. You can sit on it, you can lay on it, and you can rotate yourself to accomplish a full body treatment session. But have you heard of BioLite's newest, most innovative product to date, the cocoon? You essentially get a red light therapy bed of sorts, but in the comfort of your home. And like the Matrix, it's flexible, so you can easily take it on the go, whereas you're likely not going to pack a red light therapy bed on the go. So whether you're just a red light therapy enthusiast or a physician or someone who owns a med spa that offers red light therapy, this cocoon is something that is a fraction of the price of a red light therapy bed that offers comparable red light therapy specs in the term of the red and near infrared light spectrum, but also the light irradiance is that nice low and slow type of power. Just like from the most popular red light therapy bed, the Novathor, they also have a very low and slow light irradiance. So you're not necessarily losing anything with the cocoon. In fact, it's quite comparable to those red light therapy beds, but again, the convenience of in your home and easy to take on the go. And most importantly, unlike the matrix or unlike a panel, the cocoon lives up to its name in the sense you get a full body 360 degree red light therapy treatment. This is the product by BioLite I'm most excited by right now. And as a loyal Red Light Report listener, I'm going to offer you guys an exclusive discount for the cocoon. Simply use coupon code Red Light Report at checkout to save 15% on your purchase of the cocoon. And that's over a $500 savings on this product. And again, if you're someone who's interested in getting the best bang for the buck with red light therapy, the cocoon with its portability, its full body 360 degree treatments every time you get in it, this is the one you want if you're a big time health, wellness, anti-aging, biohacking enthusiast. Use coupon code Red Light Report, 15% off, over $500 savings, and have have the cocoon be the metamorphosis of your health. Well, it's simply uh, amazing and inspiring, Matt, to hear that process. And every time I hear it, it's just, it blows me away that you went through these processes at such a young age. Because I'm thinking like, what was I doing in high school? What was I doing in undergrad and college? And it wasn't nearly as in-depth or focused, if you will, like you have been like you're you're years ahead of your chronological age as far as what you've gone through the research you've done it's impressive to say the least so i love hearing your story not just thank you and where you've gotten to and who knows where you're going to be uh, in the future but it's like for people of all ages to hear you took in your case a health malady uh you took it upon yourself because the the allopathic system wasn't working for you and you went through the hard due diligence research. You can call it luck when you happen upon people like Jack Cruz who kind of steer you in the right direction, but you have to do your own research to to fall upon that luck, if you will. And so you've found your way over the years, over the decade plus uh, to where you are today. So again, it's inspiring. It's amazing. And here you are educating the masses on something that's so important, like you mentioned or you alluded to, that while diet may be part of the story, and like I've talked to people like Carrie Bennett and and other people in the quantum health spectrum, it's like light, water, magnetism. That's the foundation. Circadian rhythm. That's something. Um, when I asked her a couple of weeks ago, like what's what's kind of the pillar of health? 
it's circadian rhythm. And you just mentioned that in your soliloquy there. If your circadian rhythm isn't locked and loaded, your gut health is going to be off. And that systemically is, is going to lead to who knows what. So yeah. As far as steering the conversation from here, I guess one thing I'm curious about is you looked at the landscape of, let's say, the uh, blue blocking market, and you saw there was a clear void of A, style, but maybe more importantly, B, the lenses weren't blocking the right light. So how did you decipher that? What was the process for you realizing that? And then how did you resolve that issue with your glasses and in the raw optics? Yeah, absolutely. Well, honestly, it was quite simple uh, from a high level perspective. It looks simple. In practice, it wasn't very simple. And actually, sometimes just yesterday, I got a, a sort of hit from the universe of how significant what we're doing is as a company. Uh, and same, you know, same to you and, and other companies in the space, because we're literally bringing awareness to a subject that people aren't aware of. Like you can't sell blue blocking glasses without bringing an awareness around what light is and how it affects our health in particular. Uh, if I just created a supplement, supplements are an easy product to create. That's why everybody does it. Not just because they're easy to create, but they're easy to sell. You just have to write down the benefits and what's unique about your supplement, and you'll be able to sell it to some people. People understand at a basic level that when you put a pill in your mouth, it has an effect. There's a premise or a, a basis, uh, a shared concept of understanding that people have around how a drug works and therefore how a supplement could work or an herb or a superfood or a natural remedy or homeopathy. It's a physical substance. You put it in and it does something in your body. In order for people to understand that something like blue blocking, what, you know, the first question is blue light blocking glasses. Well, what's blue light? Okay. You could explain blue light, but then you have to explain how it affects our biology and why it affects our biology. So then you have to have people understand the body clock and circadian rhythms. And then, okay, that makes sense. And so then through that, hopefully you'd get to, well, why would you want to block blue light? When, when would blue light not be good? Because it's from the sun. It's important for our circadian rhythm. Why would I want to block it? Yeah. Okay. You'd want to block it at night to protect your sleep, et cetera. You shouldn't have it at night. That makes sense. So you make more melatonin. Okay. You got me. What about daytime lenses? Why are you wearing these yellow lenses during the day? Well, then you have to go into a whole other thing. Well, turns out the blue light from the sun's really good because it's balanced by full spectrum, red, near infrared, et cetera, wavelengths of light. You take blue light, you isolate it in an LED, you shine it into the retina, and all of a sudden it increases reactive oxygen species production significantly and retinal damage, et cetera. Hormonal disruption, well, why? Well, because the red light isn't present. The near-infrared light in particular isn't present from these screens and LED sources today, and therefore the blue light's not balanced out as it is in nature. And so there's a much higher rate of oxidative damage in these cells and tissues that occurs when they're exposed to blue light in an isolated fashion. So all of that has to be somehow brought across to people uh, in order for them to really understand it. Now, what we're working on is, and I'll get to your question in a moment, I'm kind of answering it in a circular way, but um, what we're working on is how to make it where you don't have to really understand it, like where people can just understand that it's a vibe, so to speak, backed by science, right? I think that's a very cool place to be. And that's kind of where we're getting to now as a company. So anyway, as far as how it started out, it was very different. It was very much more on the mechanistic, scientific, explanatory side of things. 
especially within the, the health and wellness world. Now, as far as like mapping out and kind of understanding the layout of the land and the industry, you really had to kind of dive into where we where we left off. You really had two main categories or three maybe main categories of blue blocking glasses. So the first existed then, but in a very limited form, clear lenses with a blue light coating were just getting off the ground. And these are in the industry known as UV 420 coatings, a coating that basically is like an anti-reflective coating, which this lens has on it. So that video light I have right there, if I didn't have an anti-reflective coating on this, you would see yourself in my reflection much more than you do here on my eyes. For those looking at the video, you would see much more white. So anti-reflective coatings are great because they were originally developed for newscasters to, you know, so you couldn't see the camera in the reflection of their glasses on, on, you know, live TV, for example, right? They created these special anti-reflective coatings that block not just uh, not just reducing, I should say, the reflection, but that also block ultraviolet and blue light and indigo light up to 420 nanometers. Now, if you look at the light spectrum, blue light goes from around 400 nanometers to 500 nanometers approximately, right? Green starts really right around there, 500 or a little bit less. And once you go below 410, it's really more like indigo, but let's just say it's 400 to 500 nanometers. The LEDs that are the basis of all modern lighting today, so since we've transitioned away from incandescence and fluorescent lamps, emit a peak at 455 nanometers. But it's not just a one single wavelength peak. It goes plus or minus about 20 to 25 nanometers each direction. So you could say the peak starts right around 430 nanometers and ends right around 480 nanometers, again, give or take. So if you're blocking 100% of blue light up to 420 nanometers, and then that curve drops right off that absorption curve to where when you get to 430 nanometers, you're blocking less than 10%. And by the time you get to 455 nanometers, the absorption goes from full absorption, full blocking of that blue. Now, those listening, I'm putting my line in a straight, my hand in a straight line across the top as if it's a full protection. And then down slant, like the absorption is going right off a cliff. And then it basically bottoms out. And by the time you get to 455 nanometers, the center of that peak, it's absorbing literally less than 3%. So the point is that the UV 420 coatings on clear lenses literally don't block any significant amount of the blue light emitted by screens and modern LEDs. And yet they're still marketed as screen glasses. I have companies, I have a YouTube video that needs more attention, although I probably should redo it. I think I was a little bit too combative. This was like three years ago. I was kind of, uh, I think at that time, in, in a positive way, I was a little triggered by the fact that this is uh, you know, such a funny sub subject that people, I tell them like, clear lenses don't block blue light. And they're like, what? What? Like, no, 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 no. You must mean something else. I'm like, no, no, they, they actually just don't work. Like they literally don't work. It'd be like if you, if it'd be like, if you bought an electric stove that just didn't turn on, like that's how bad it is. It's, but it's just, you don't notice it because you think it works. Now, the cool thing, side note is that placebos are real. And so I don't like to be the bearer of this news to people that the science doesn't actually support what they're wearing, but the placebo effect does, right? The science of the placebo effect supports that you might still be feeling something from it. But most people tell me, I don't actually really feel anything from it anyway. Anyway, so that's one of the classes of glasses that existed then. And it's blown up to the point now where I would estimate that of the blue, blue blocking lenses sold today, so-called, 
Uh, they're probably 90 plus percent of the market simply because maybe even more because all the largest optical retailers that are already selling billions of glasses a year altogether, or at least hundreds of millions, all just added the option for a blue light coating, whether it's your lens crafters, your Pearl Vision, you know, any of these places, you just get a blue light coating, even sunglasses added that, right? So there's that. It was smaller then. Anyway, the second category was those lenses that block the right wavelengths. The only person really speaking about this, and to any great degree at the time in the United States, was Dr. Jack Cruz that I'm aware of. There may have been, may have been a few others, but nothing significant, right? So people started in that community using lenses that blocked the right wavelengths, but that weren't designed at all for general optical wear. These are UVEX safety goggles, which are designed for very intense protection from in, in certain commercial and industrial applications. And they were actually, in many cases, designed for street workers to be able to perceive the lasers they're using for leveling out when they're doing these level leveling uh, exercises on streets and prior to paving, et cetera. I don't know a lot about those processes, to be honest. But anyhow, uh, that's what these lenses were designed for. They happened to block the right wavelengths of light, right? So these were the ugly, quote unquote, $12 safety goggles, which you probably remember from Amazon. Now, the third category were those one or two companies that I mentioned earlier, Carbon Shade and Swanwick. Swanwick's still around. Carbon Shade's not, as far as I'm aware, that tried to make this a little more stylish. And to their credit, Swanwick probably brought a lot of attention to this early on. Um, Carbon Shade's products were really exciting because they did block a lot of the right wavelengths, but the frames ended up being really clunky and pretty relatively low quality in the end, not attractive, right? So finally, in order to do this, all there was actually a tint that existed on the market from a company called BPI, which you could have your local optician or some trusted optician purchase and tint your lenses. The problem is between the bottle of tint, their time, the whole process, they've never done it before. It would take you hours and hours and hours to explain it to them and get it done after convincing them that they should do it for you. And they would charge you $500 beside the cost of the $200 Ray-Ban frame you wanted or whatever, right? So you're you're out 700 bucks, literally. I mean, my dad actually hooked me up and, and got some of these for me. And I think all in all, because the optician was a friend of his, I think it was about 500 bucks between a frame and the tinting and the labor. Because, you know, it's a premium, it's an industry where they mark things up quite a bit by default. And so for a one, one-off thing that they don't even want to do for you, they're going to, if they, if they're even going to do it, and they're going to use the bottle of tint and then never use it again. And they might even have to buy the tinting equipment if they don't have it, because it might not be something they do a lot. So there's another couple hundred bucks right there. They probably wouldn't do it, period, right? But if you could get somebody to do it for you, it'd probably run you 300, 400, 500 bucks minimum, uh, maybe not even including the frame. So we did that. People, Some people in the space did that. And uh, that, that happened. And that's how my... Uh, then just taking you through the whole thing, really, a buddy of mine, since it seems like you're curious. So a buddy of mine then figured out that we could actually buy frames, get the optician to cut the lenses with no coatings on them so the tint could absorb, and we could send them to the company that makes the tints, and they would tint them for us. And that was a lot less expensive because they had the machinery, they have the tints, they're using them. So we did that, and that ended up costing us the frame plus I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, if that. So it was much more reasonable, right? But it was still a whole process that people didn't want to go through, right? And I'll get to how, and this is exactly where the company came along. It was a really step-by-step -step approach, actually. Um, we went through that. Again, it might have cost the frame 200 bucks. You know, our parents would buy them because we didn't have any money and maybe a hundred bucks for the whole tinting service. So it was a lot better than four or 500, right? Anyway, 
Then a guy in the community had written an article about how to buy a bottle of tint, a hot plate, a chemistry hot plate, a beaker, and to do it yourself. And that to me was really cool. Like you could actually do this yourself. Now it was a little complicated. Your average parent who's busy raising family or working a job isn't going to do this because then they're worrying if I do it myself, am I even going to block the right wavelengths? Now I got to buy a $200 meter if I want to actually test to make sure that I'm blocking the right wavelengths. And that's not even the, the most detailed meter. You could spend a thousand dollars if you want or more on the on a better meter, like a spectral light meter, et cetera. But anyway, just the one to make sure the lenses had the right tint density, just to make sure very minimum. Anyway, so that was an interesting angle. And then anyway, finally, um, to kind of come to the conclusion here, the way the company actually started in this in this more detailed sense was that I went up to New York City one weekend from Philly, where I grew up, because Luke's story, I was listening to his podcast interviewing Dr. Jack Cruz. And in the middle of that uh, interview, Luke said, hey, everybody, I'm going to be up in New York giving a talk at this uh, beauty parlor. Love for you to come by if you're on the East Coast or in New York, whatever. And it was instead of, you know, the product advertisement or whatever in the middle there. And I thought, well, wait a minute, this is my chance. I knew that a lot of the things that the the neurosurgeon doctor was sharing would be going over Luke's head and his audience's head. And I thought, you know, why not help people understand this, kind of break it down for them in a way that they might be able to relate to a little bit more. Not that the science isn't good. The science is critical, actually. Somebody has to do that. It's critical. And without people like Dr. Jack Cruz, where would we be, right? You might not have your company. I might not have mine, right? So it's these luminary people who, who do help light the way, um, luminary light the way to puns uh, intended and uh, should give people an idea of how important light is in our in our life in general. But anyhow, so I went up for this. My idea was I want to see if Luke will let me go on his podcast. Well, that same night, he actually said yes in the end. He was like, okay, yeah, I think, you know, it could be cool if you, if you know Dr. Cruz and you know the information, let's give it a shot, right? So we did that, not that night, like about a month later when he happened to be back in town unusually. I don't know why I think it was cosmic. It was meant to be. But anyway, he asked me and my buddy who came up with me who had our custom blue blocking glasses on, how do you do this? Went through the whole process with him, tried to connect him with the company that did the tinting for us. And it was a pain. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, I could just do it for you. I saw the article about how to do it and maybe other people would want it. It was just a total experiment, right? Because people in the community at the end of the day, could they have bought the, the equipment and all in maybe, maybe they're all in 70 bucks plus their time. Yeah, they won't have the meter to test if it's actually working, but you might be able to do it for under 100 bucks plus, you know, five to 10 hours of your time. But for the average person, if somebody offers that service for them, they'll take it, right? Because most people don't want to do that and get their hands dirty. And, and I understand, right? Because then they don't know if they have a product that's working properly as I'm taking a lot more time all in all. So I just said, let me do it for you. And that's really how the company started. I realized this is an opportunity. Now, this is a very, very early stage, right? It's come a very long way since then, but that was six years ago, six and change years ago. So, Wow. Simply amazing. And and like myself, you sound like you're extremely opportunistic. Like when when certain things align or like this this uh, narrow band of opportunity arises, like, like you're saying, to go up and, and go to that uh, event up in New York as a way to potentially connect with someone like Luke's story, like you never know what comes from certain, you know, meeting of people like the, the resonance that can happen. Maybe nothing comes of it, but you never know unless you do it. So, you know, kudos to you for 
multiple, multiple times, you're kind of just like going with the flow and, and more or less seeing what happens, right? Kind of, kind of like surrendering. I don't know if you've read that book. The, the, yeah, sort of, I have love that. Book. Favorites. I mean, your quite frankly, your story kind of sounds like Michael Singer's in, in a lot of ways. It, it's pretty amazing. Thanks, brother. I really love that book and I love Michael Singer's work. I, I think he's an amazing teacher. So I appreciate you saying that. But back to your company and back to the educational part, because especially with me, with BioLite, we, we've, I've had to deal with a lot of the same thing as you. I've started out, or at least in the early years, especially, and I still kind of am very like scientifically driven because that's my background. I'm a physical therapist. I went through all that schooling. Uh, so I'm, I'm very scientifically and research driven. And I learned kind of the hard way that most people actually don't respond to that or they don't care. They just want to know if it's going to work for them and then simply how to use it. So all of that to say, can we circle back and can you explain the difference that you've seen in the response to your audience from those early days when you were very scientifically driven? And I'm sure that spoke to like a certain portion of your audience. Like some people just love that and they'll geek out and great. But does that resonate with you? Yeah. The vast majority really don't care. They just kind of like want to make sure they're getting a quality product that it does what you're proposing. I mean, and tell us what you've noticed. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, asking that. I think it's a great question. And my experience has told me a lot about that. So I should disclose that I'm still having a difficult time, given being who I am, accepting that there are a lot of people who just want very, very basic information and the product. It's it's hard for me to accept because I'm not like that. I want to know every single detail. You know how it is. Uh, you know, I'm I travel all around the world. When I book flights, I'm looking at the most. I used to just look for the cheapest flights. Now it's more like I want the highest quality flights. Uh, you know, I want to I want to have nonstop, sometimes business. I want to have the shortest, the least amount of airtime. Like point is, I will look at every single little detail to get things the way I want them to be. Whether it's in a business agreement, things I've been working on recently, like partnerships and whatnot. It's just that's how I am, right? Anyway, what I've come to uh, understand and believe from my experience and to your question is that yes, there the average person doesn't. It's not that they're not uh, intelligent people or that they're not um, wanting to do the best thing for their health. It's really just that, and I'm not saying you implied that you didn't, but uh, it's just that some people just are busy and it's not their main thing, and they're just looking for you know, you know, for example, like if you. Well, this might not be the best, but if you went out and bought sheets, you might be less concerned about like the best sheets in the world. Yeah, you might want cotton, but you might not be like, I need to know where this was made and what kind of, you know, machine it was spun on and by who and when and the child labor or not and all this stuff. There are probably people who that's their thing. They want to know every single detail about their sheets, right? And that's maybe you and me when it comes to the biohacking or more health and wellness type stuff. Anyway, you get the idea. It's just not some people's primary area of focus, and they just want to know that they're getting the highest quality product. So I think the best way I could explain this is just by giving people two different phrases, and you can just think about how the two different feel. So for example, the first phrase is blue light disrupts your sleep and you can damage your retinas, and therefore it's really toxic for you, and you need these glasses to protect your retina and to protect your sleep. Otherwise, you're going to have health issues eyesight damage, circadian disruption, sleep problems, et cetera. So you should buy my product. Option one. Option two, 
put on these glasses. They're going to help you relax naturally in the evening, fall asleep more easily, sleep more deeply, wake up with more energy, put on these daytime glasses. You're going to protect your eyes. You're going to relax. They're going to help balance your energy, boost your mood, increase your productivity, supercharge your focus. You're going to feel like a million bucks. You're going to express your highest potential and you're going to feel like you're living in a new life. Option two, which one are you more inclined toward? Anyway, I think I make my case. So I rest my case. That That's really the difference between, I would say, and this also came along when I got more to the focus of inner light. And this might be a nice segue, like understanding that, yeah, you can go the one direction, but as far as like energy on the whole, both from like people's psyche, from like what I think is the most moral approach to, you know, just what people respond to and what feels better from the company side as well. Like it's just a different energy. And I think the energy of like offering people a new opportunity in their life and just giving, if necessary, the core scientific details, at least in my experience, is uh, a more useful uh, and more effective approach. And I would add one other thing, which is that red light therapy as well, it's you know higher price than necessarily than a blue blocking pair of glasses, for example, in general, not always, but in general. And it's something that people, so there is, there is a consideration of like, it's expensive and it's not, but people are going to use it at home. Their friends may or may not know that they do it. There's not a lot of like social concern per se, unless like there's some rumor that gets out to use red light therapy and people think you're weird, but that's not really a concern, generally speaking, right? It's not something you wear on your face. You wear glasses on your face and they're colored lenses. And it's like something that's different and unique. So I think to some extent, blue blocking glasses are they require a whole different level of confidence by the consumer to be willing to actually purchase and utilize. And there are still people who will only use them at home, but a lot of people will wear them out and they'll be proud of it. And that takes a lot of, you know, a shift of them. In fact, you know what I have to say is it amazes me when I meet people, it blows my mind when I meet people still who are self-conscious about wearing colored lenses out. It shouldn't amaze me, I don't think, but it does because I remember when I was so concerned about the idea that random strangers would care about what I look like wearing glasses. Now, I may, to be fair, be concerned about other things that random strangers think about me, but the concept of me wearing colored lenses doesn't even cross my mind. So when it comes to my awareness, I'm like, whoa, I can't even imagine that exists. Anyway, that's some of the context about a kind of the different angles of marketing I would offer. Interesting. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. Both of our companies exist because of this modern world we live in, right? Like if we weren't surrounded by non-native EMFs and these fluorescent lights, would we need blue light blocking glasses? If people were getting outside daily on a consistent basis, getting that full spectrum sunlight, would you need red light therapy? So a lot of this is necessitated by the this new world and environment uh, uh, we're living in the last handful of decades, which I, I find kind of interesting, but it's like, there's going to be constantly new environments on on our horizon we can't even think of, and people are going to have to find solutions or develop solutions. Um, and then it's upon those people or companies, just like Raw Optics and BioLite, to educate the masses on why it's important. It's not even necessarily like buy my product, but learn as to why the product we've developed, whether you choose our company or not, is important to your health. And... I don't know if that resonates with you or not, but yeah, it sure does. So compared to raw optics, BioLite's been around since early 2019. And I've felt even in that small amount of time, four and a half plus years, 
that it feels like there's a shift, especially with COVID, that really initiated people to take health into their own hands. People getting fed up with whether you want to call it the government or the allopathic system or whatnot. It's like, I'm sick of this. I'm going to take care of my own health. I'm going to seek out treatments that I can basically be my own doctor. And both of our blue light blocking glasses and red light therapy kind of falls into that purview. Correct me if I'm wrong. This kind of is um, analogous with your not feeling embarrassed about wearing colored lenses in public. You are under the purview that that's normal, that people should be wearing these. This yeah. is the way to say that I feel that since I started BioLite, it feels like there's momentum. There's more and more people catching on to alternative health, holistic health, different types of light therapy. It's becoming more popular. It's almost like we're seeing the snowball effect the last handful of years. Do you feel the same way from your perspective and the blue light blocking? Like you've been at this for years and years now. More and more people are talking about it. And that kind of leads to more exposure, not just to raw optics, but to blue light blocking glasses as a whole. Do you feel like that you've noticed the same kind of trajectory that this industry as a whole is gaining some momentum and and people are taking notice that light actually has such an impact on their health? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's just uh, really starting to break through in many respects. Um, there's There are a lot of things going on in the space, and I feel very fortunate for us to be at the center of it in many respects. Uh, you know, we're not the largest company, obviously, in the world, but uh, we're even necessarily in the space. But I would say that we work with the highest level people in the space. Um, the number one soccer player in the world is a friend of mine. I should say by goals scored. His name is Holland, Arling Holland. He set the record for most goals scored ever in a Premier League season, the highest league in the world in soccer, football in Europe. And uh, Anyway, he's been wearing Roptics for years now, so it's almost sort of serendipitous. And I would go as far as saying that in addition to his absolute tremendous drive for the sport he plays, the biohacking techniques, and he shares this very openly, his emphasis on sleep and quote-unquote biohacking, life optimization, whatever we want to call it, has contributed. Meditation contributed to helping him be such a successful player at such a young age. He's a year younger than me. He's 23. So anyway... Um, you know, there's really exciting stuff happening there where he has probably single-handedly made more people hear about the idea that sleep is important for your health from an athletic perspective and that something like blue blocking glasses could therefore be important than probably anybody else. Now, the thing is when he talks about that on an interview, you know, there's all sorts of details there. He's sponsored by some really big companies. So uh, we're not currently formally working together with him. He wears our products, but, um, you know, there, there's some potentials there for the future. However, I would think that what most people are doing is going on Amazon and purchasing, you know, blue blocking glasses. And I bet they see these huge spikes in sales when, when he talks about that. And the thing is we need, in my opinion, and, and this is what we're working on, you know, collectively is how we actually get that education about what are the products that work and so on. You know, you wouldn't want somebody doing the same thing going on Amazon, buying the cheap $100 or $300 red light panel that really doesn't have any of the right wavelengths, et cetera, right? So anyway, that being said, there's several other really high-level celebrities and people who do influence culture and thought who are using raw optics, blue blocking glasses and are using, you know, different companies, uh, red light therapy panels, maybe some yours, maybe, maybe some others as well, of course, uh, Juve and, you know, all that. But um, sauna space as well. 
So I would say that the awareness is definitely growing. I would say it has yet to break totally through. And I feel very privileged that, um, and I appreciate your comments earlier on, you know, the people in the space probably are familiar with me. Well, I haven't really done anything other than go on podcasts, right? We haven't even really done much on social media with all the podcasts I've been on. So there's a lot we're looking at doing that I think um, I could personally do to help further contribute to getting the information and awareness out there, just given our positioning and sort of the... uh, the experience I had that I think a lot of people resonate with, you know, based on the Instagram messages and all the feedback I get from people where it was a diet focus. And then I understood, well, there's more. So, you know, it's similar to what you shared, you know, you found Dr. Jack Crusoe, you know, you must've been kind of already on the health journey before then. So I think there's a lot more I could do and that we as a company could definitely be doing to bring this out. And I'm excited to do more of that because I think it could, it could change a lot more lives. I'm right there with you. And we were even talking about this before we started recording how <laughs> we're, we're both very in similar situations. We're both trying to run and grow companies in, in virtually the same space. And, and a big part of that is is educating. And I was telling you that I don't get to do enough of it because I'm constantly on the business side of the business. And I want to spend more of my time and energy on the education side because that's what I'm most passionate about. And that's really what changes people's lives is when they come across this information, it connects with them or or it clicks with them, and then they can go forward and integrate whatever information, you know, we're we're providing into their lives and you literally change people's lives. And so that's what it's all about for me. And so similar to you, I'm looking forward to the near future going forward where I can set aside more of my time and energy dedicated to education. Uh, in respect to me, it's more red light therapy, not not even bio light driven. It's it's what is red light therapy, and it's incredible. I don't know if what type of research there would be with blue light blocking glasses, like on PubMed. But what I've been doing the last six to ten months, Matt, I don't know why it took me so long to do this, but I've set up a ton of photobiomodulation brain, photobiomodulation cancer, photobiomodulation. Beautiful. There's a ton of these that I get alerts on a daily basis of all of the research that's coming in. And it's just pouring in like a faucet that's fully on. And I don't have enough time and energy to read it, disseminate it, and and get it out to the public like I want to. So uh, again, to your point, I'm excited to be able to do that soon. And, And the both of us kind of with where we're positioned as far as just being experts, so to speak, in in this industry is get that information out more consistently, more often, to move this whole space forward and kind of elevate the whole space, uh, alternative health space forward together. Yeah. I wanted to move forward with some more, let's say, specific or anecdotal evidence. Let's start with yourself personally. Clearly, on your health journey, blue light blocking glasses made a huge difference. Let's start with the first part of that, which is what did you notice like right away that changed in your health when you uh, commenced using a blue light blocking apparatus. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll first start with your comment just regarding the PubMed and so on. It's very interesting about the blue light blocking glasses. So the mechanisms of the circadian rhythm are very well established. The Nobel prize in medicine was awarded back in, I believe it was 2017 for the elucidation of, of the circadian mechanism in fruit flies. So this was a huge breakthrough, right? And the amount of research that's gone on in the space of 
the pigments in the eyes is tremendous. In particular, there was a massive discovery that we have a third type of photoreceptor cell in our eyes called intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells, which unlike the rods and cones, which connect to our visual centers in the hindbrain for forming images, the retinal ganglion cells and the photoreceptive pigment uh, inside of them called melanopsin, which was also newly discovered, actually directly wire to the hypothalamus, which is the master control center of the brain, and specifically to a region called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is responsible for timekeeping and setting our body's master clock, the master circadian rhythm, which controls all the peripheral clocks in the cells and the organs and the tissues and the different systems of the body. This is very well established as well. And it's also very well established that these pigments, this photoreceptor, I should say, um, in the pigments in this photoreceptor, this uh, protein they've discovered called melanopsin absorbs specifically blue light with peak sensitivity at 479 nanometers. So it's well established that we have circadian rhythms that there are unique cells in the eye that wire to a master regulator part of the brain that's not involved in image forming, forming processes, that the pigments in the these photoreceptor cells, the proteins, the, I should say, pigment, they're really, yeah, they're more complex than just pigments. But anyhow, the, the absorbing, the light absorbing proteins, photoreceptive proteins, melanopsin in this case, are sensitive to blue light. And that's what activates these cells, which signals the systems in the brain. And then there's evidence that the, this is the case, that blue light directly disrupts the secretion of melatonin. So the mechanisms are there. The foundational mechanisms are there. Then the actual proof in the pudding, so to speak, is there in the sense that when you shine blue light into the eye at night, it disrupts circadian rhythms. It's there on a cellular basis, or I should say, a, you know, you can see it in the studies that are done you can see it on a population basis that artificial light at night, the Israelis have done some studies on this very uh, significant studies showing that there is a link in the epidemi epidemiological research across the board between exposure to artificial light at night and to disease and increased diseases. There's also an environmental hazard that's been established with the rhythms of birds and the migration patterns and so on. Birds get stuck with cities, with skylights and all sorts of things and skyscrapers with bright lights, et cetera. So there's so many arrows in the research pointing to the fact that this artificial light at night causes a problem. There are even studies to get to kind of the punchline showing that artificial blue light disrupts the circadian rhythm and that blue blocking glasses can actually remediate that issue. So that to me is, how do I say, kind of all I needed to know in order to be confident that this is solid. And then you take, you know, the kind of really strong ideas of, for example, someone like Dr. Jack Cruz, and you say, okay, this makes sense to me. Anyway, um, the reason I'm going through all of that is that there are very limited studies on blue light blocking glasses specifically. And of those done, a majority are conducted with the clear lenses, which for reasons we discussed earlier on, don't even block the right wavelength. So there was recently a meta-analysis that came out that basically concluded that blue blocking glasses need further study to be, and you know, so the headlines come out and say, oh, they don't work. But the actual study, if you read it, is that there needs to be further study, you know, in from this meta-analysis. And then you go and look 
at the studies that they cited, which I'm already familiar with because I've looked through most of them, and they're using clear lenses, like 50 to 75% of those studies are using clear lenses, which we know don't work, right? And then the ones that are using the orange lenses aren't all controlled the way that I would control it, where they put them on from the moment the sun sets. We also don't know, you know, yeah, there's just, there's a lot that's not really clear, right? So anyhow, that is the state of the research. Sadly, there's not more, but I, what I would say is that with red light, you have sort of like the American continent when the settlers arrived, you know, there's an unlimited potential, right? Yeah, there's some potential threats in the land, animals and other humans and so on, but unlimited potential, right? Blue light is more like if you had to look, you know, so that you could find unlimited success with red light therapy in the research and there's money to back it because companies can sell panels. Blue light, on the other hand, is something that's uh, an offender in the environment. Whereas, you know, red light, you start from zero, so to speak, and add back red light. And eventually, hopefully, our lighting incorporates more near infrared, right? But with blue light, now you're pointing a finger that the basis of our entire modern information age, screens, phones, artificial LED lights, and so on, is a problem, right? Or an issue. And so all of a sudden, you have a significant, let's say, opposition potential with all of, and I'm not saying this is actively happening. I just, I actually don't know, but there's something that exists that you're up against versus where with red light therapy, there's sort of just more untapped potential. So I would assume that that's part of the reason why there's less study because the large media outlets in particular, they could get stoked about red light therapy and the benefits of it, but they're not going to get stoked as media outlets that primarily work through the internet and television on how people should be on their computers less because that isn't really good for their, what they're doing. So I would imagine that's part of why. Now, as we grow, of course, we're going to fund research into this and get into more of that detail, but we know it works. So that's it now. Anyway, thanks for letting me share that. So just to your, to your primary question, my own experience, and I can make this a little more brief, but basically when I started using the blue blocking glasses, it was part of a much more holistic lifestyle strategy, which I now call the light diet, starting to get more sunlight in the morning starting to uh, block blue light at night, of course, going barefoot on the earth, drinking unfluoridated, you know, natural spring water, not city tap water full of chemicals and fluoride and chloride and all this stuff. So the glasses just became a natural part of my life. And I definitely noticed that I was sleeping better. It was in 2015, 2016 at this point that I started. I would say for me, and this is something I don't, I don't hide from anybody we work with or share, the light, the sun exposure was by far the biggest change. It, it made me feel alive. Start going out in the sun after being you know, a kid who grows up on screens and doesn't go out that much and doesn't cover my, you know, doesn't expose my skin. And when I did, I would put on sunscreen because I was sold on the mainstream view. Ironically, I was the one convincing my friends to wear the sunscreen because I thought they were going to you know, have an issue. And now I'm the one convincing people that they should be careful of sunscreen, thankfully, in much larger numbers. Um, so anyway, the blue blocking glasses just became part of my rhythm. And I just became aware that if I didn't wear them, I would feel so sensitive to the light at night. Like I'm more of the mindset now that I don't want to be a victim to anything in my external environment, but I can feel how it activates me more than a cup of coffee. I mean, coffee affects your hormonal system, obviously. So you drink a cup of coffee, it's going to affect you for many hours, but you can feel an immediate stimulus from that light. So that was one of the main things, even besides the benefits that occurred in my sleep, which were significant, but again, partially because of blue light protection and also very largely 
because of the exposure to morning sunlight and sunlight throughout the day and getting out more, right? So it's hard to pinpoint exactly what played the largest role. But even that aside, if I took off the glasses in the evening, I didn't feel as comfortable. So actually wearing the lenses in the evening, you can feel as if you're in a room with nothing but candlelight. You actually get used to the sensation of relaxing naturally in the evening the way we're designed to. And that's the big, in my opinion, the greatest benefit of our lenses is people can feel relaxed in the evening without, you know, I used to think that we were competing against companies like Blue Box or other companies in the space, now Bond Charge, um, they've renamed themselves. And, you know, True Dark, which is another of the blue blocking companies that came on. These other companies in the space, after we did the yellow and the red lenses that blocked the right wavelengths and were stylish, they started to follow, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Competition is very healthy. But we set the model for what to do as a blue blocking glasses company with premium products. And these other companies came along. And, and again, I, I love them for that. I've talked to the founder of at least a, a Blue Box, great guy. Anyway, just going back to the circadian rhythms and the light being a huge benefit um, in the morning, like that was a huge factor for me. The blue blocking glasses played another role. Oh yeah. Getting back to the, the point I was at is that people can relax naturally in the evening. So I thought that the competition were these companies in this space, right? What I came to understand is that it's not the companies that we're competing against. It's, it's actually couldn't be less relevant. They couldn't be less relevant. It's sleeping pills, it's melatonin, it's Valium, it's alcohol that people need to drink to take the edge off at the end of the day. It's cannabis, you know, all of the things and nothing necessarily wrong with some of these per se, but in general, you use these types of substances on a regular basis, you're probably going to become dependent as much as people tell themselves that this or that substance isn't addictive. Certain of those that I've just listed certainly are they all become a crutch for people and people, you know, who look at this rationally understand that, you know, people die of sleeping pill overdoses. We've had customers whose children, they tried to treat their COVID because they had cancer. They tried to treat their COVID with melatonin or, or prevent them from getting COVID using melatonin. They got their child hooked on melatonin. They couldn't sleep without it. And the only way they got them off was with our sunset lenses, our glasses designed for sleep. And that was a touching story when I had a mother tell that to me. So anyway, um, there's some really significant effects to using these blue blocking glasses. So to circle it all back to the original question about <laughs> blue block glasses, I'm totally <laughs> going off the track here, but, like, um, little anecdote, so to speak, like when you begin, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I go on these tangents and then uh, all of a sudden get super stoked. And I'm like, where did we start here? Rabbit holes. That's where and the question is, though. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I mean, you know, I, I find the tangents to be sometimes the most interesting part of the conversation. Anyway, for me, what struck me above all the personal anecdotes that I had, that all of our customers had uh, over the years, and the fact that people would refer their friends, influencers would have such great benefits. You know, a lot of influencers would hear me on podcasts, they'd reach out, we'd get working with them, like Ben Greenfield, for example, they'd share it, they'd try the glasses and say, you know what, these are way higher quality than anything I've used so far. I can feel the effects, the frames feel great, they're lightweight, they're nice, depending on the design, they're stylish, I mean, they're all stylish. Some are a little lighter, some are a little thinner, some are a little thicker, depending on your taste, what you prefer to wear on your face, the color. Right. But they work. And this company's obviously taking the time and putting the energy, which I'd love to tell you a little bit about uh, as well, just maybe toward the toward the end or to wrap up. But 
Last year, we had a partnership with Aura, the maker of the Aura Ring, which, as you know, is you know one of the largest companies to emerge from the biohacking space. They're valued at $2.5 billion as of their last fundraising round, and uh, that was over a year ago now. So they approached us. I had gotten to know some of the team years and years ago, early on through the conferences and the biohacking scene, and we had connected and been in touch. And uh, I interviewed the CEO then, Harpreet, years ago for a podcast that actually never ended up airing. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, it was meant to be with a, a friend of mine, a celebrity friend, and things didn't go exactly as expected at the time. But anyhow, we had this connection and they understood from their experience that the number one thing to transform their sleep was the blue blocking glasses. More than any supplement they could take, if you wore raw optic sunset lenses or an equivalent that you know, probably even the, the UVEX probably would have the same effect or a similar effect. They just wouldn't look good and they wouldn't be comfortable. So you wouldn't be compliant. That's another reason it's so important to make it cool. So people actually do it, right? That's one of the largest things we've done is try to make it cool and stylish so that people have compliance and get the results. Otherwise, they're going to fall right off. If it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't look good, if they don't understand why they're doing it, they're not going to do it. They're not going to get a benefit and the whole thing's going to fail, right? Anyway, we run the partnership with Aura. It's a refer a friend program. Many, 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 many Aura members, they have a very, very large base. I think they have some million ring wearers or they've sold a million rings, probably a smaller number than that of actual active wearers, but it's quite a large number. So a large number of these people got our glasses as part of a, a referral program. So it was basically you have an Aura ring. Hey, Aura says, hey, we'd like to incentivize you. Like, we'd like to offer you, offer you this free gift. You refer a friend, bring them into our ecosystem we are going to reward you with a pair of Robtix blue blocking glasses. And it was a really, really cool opportunity for the customer, for their friend who got a unique discount code to make that purchase. And for us to sell a pair of glasses, you know, benefit someone else out in the world, et cetera. Right. And Aura, you know, provided that as a gift for their customers. It was a really beautiful thing. The beauty of it was that they were, there's quite a few things about it that I loved, but that they were actually willing to give a shot to something that was still and, and still is to some extent a little more underground, if you will, compared to the mainstream perception of health and wellness, right? But the science is there to, to a great extent, the mechanisms as we discussed, and I'm glad we went into the detail because the mechanisms are very, very strong in the literature. And they know from their leadership, as well as many of their ambassadors, brand ambassadors, athletes, celebrities who do use the glasses that they see that their sleep scores go up on their aura ring. So what better of an opportunity to show the efficacy of your amazing sleep tracking device than to utilize a product which so many people feel sleep benefits and see if it's actually going to show that result. Now you can imagine, I was very confident because I know people and I was never a big avid sleep, you know, wearable device, but I did, I have an aura ring. I've used it quite a bit and I love the device. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal product. Um, anyway, we had a lot of anecdotal data that people who, in addition to those who just benefit from our products and leave us great reviews, people sleep better and they measure it and see it on their aura rings, their whoop tracking device, etc. But there was a part of me, as you can imagine, on the other hand, as we were going into this kind of like, oh gosh, you know, you know, you have a business, it's like your baby, what's going to happen? This could go really well, or it could maybe you know, not go really well. You know, what if, what if the glasses work anecdotally and people are sleeping well and the mechanisms are there, but they're not seeing on their aura rings? What if the ring isn't sensitive enough to track the benefits people are getting in their sleep? Or if the benefits in their sleep are subjective, but they're not something you can measure. 
even though we've seen it numerous times, what if it doesn't apply on a larger scale? Well, my concerns were eased because several months later into the partnership, we started getting this massive influx of customer reviews, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people voluntarily reviewing to share their feedback, even though they didn't have to at all, right? They got the review request email as, as someone who had purchased or come through our website to claim their free gift. And the number of them who shared anecdotally that they saw in a scientific, scientifically measured way, improvements in their sleep score was very, very large, strikingly large, much more than I expected. My deep sleep score doubled the first night I wear the glasses. My heart rate variability increased 20% immediately as soon as I started wearing them. We saw this over and over and over again, often the first night. That's the kind of amazing thing as well. And that just shows you how simple the mechanism is. You just take the light out and you sleep better. That's it. The first night. Sometimes it takes a couple of days for people to get used to it. Anyway, you add the morning sunlight, whew, you're off to the races. Anyway, this was what we saw. So even you put aside my own personal experience with the glasses, you put aside tens of thousands of our initial customers. When we did the partnership with Aura and we saw hundreds of people seeing their, like, I mean, and this is the people who we heard from. There were many, many, many thousands more who we didn't hear from, but we can assume given the positive feedback of these who came to us that it was pretty systemic, I would, I would assume. Um, and I was shocked. There were very, very few, you know, reviews. Some people were like, ah, oh, these aren't, some people thought they were sunglasses. They had no clue. They just took it because it was a free gift. They didn't even read what it was for. Right. But anyhow, it went really well. So I appreciate you asking. That's really the state of affairs. And so I look forward to doing more work with companies with Aura in particular and uh, other companies as well, where we can continue to bring out these benefits in a way that's scientifically measurable and validated. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. So you had all the subjective ammo you could ask for going into that partnership. You're like, oh, is the objective measurement going to hold up or is it going to show through? And that doesn't surprise me because like you said, with all the mechanisms and all the effects that quote unquote negative light can have on your circadian rhythm and all of the uh, biometrics that it affects, of course, you don't know until it happens, but it's like, yeah, of course, your sleep's going to improve. Of course, your HRV i.e. your your HRV is going to go up, your stress is going to go down. But to your point, to see that in the first night, just the immediate effects, that's that's the real proof in the pudding. Um, yeah. Well, if I may add, I'd add one thing as well. We had a, uh, a famous women's soccer player, one of the best in the world. Her name's Pernille Harder. She's from, she plays for Bayern Munich Women's. She's from Denmark. She's been voted as one of the top, the, the number one woman soccer player in the world. So we have the best man and the best woman wearing our glasses. And she heard about it through him, I assume. Uh, actually, I know that. And so anyway, she you know reached out, we got out of the glasses. And within a few days, she said, uh, my heart rate, my HRV has gone up a lot. Is that normal? And we said, we've seen it before. You know what I like? I don't know what to tell you. We've seen it before. So uh, it was cool to have that because I hadn't heard of that one particularly before the partnership. Um, I'm sure it had happened, but I wasn't, you know, I'm not emailing all my customers all I probably should to see what they're seeing on their sleep, their sleep score data. But anyway, that was pretty cool validation from one of the top athletes in the world who is literally tracking every single thing, right? Yeah, and it's um, athletes. I mean, think about that. If you can increase their performance by like half a percent or 1%, when you're a top athlete in the world or like an Olympic athlete, that 1% makes a massive, massive difference. 
And so no doubt, normalizing that circadian rhythm, optimizing your energy levels uh, would certainly move the needle and, and, and word spreads. Yeah. Sure if you're aware, Matt, but a couple of years ago, uh, BioLite, we did a study with BioStrap because I just happened to know Elias. I don't know if you know Elias Arjan. From I don't, but... BioStrap, but regardless. So yeah. we did with with our uh, full body panel and we were going into that study probably similar to aura although it doesn't sound like a study was done you just got some amazing results but we were yeah, of course doing full body treatments to see how it would affect sleep of course so they measure the first two weeks without using red light therapy so just you know collecting the biometric data then we did four weeks with full body treatments in the morning full body treatments in the evening which in hindsight, that's over treatment based on what I know now. But regardless, mm -hmm. four weeks and then the last two weeks, they did it again without red light therapy to see how, how long of the carryover you had once you discontinued red light therapy. Long story short, the all the biometrics were heading in the direction of statistically significant for improving all of those sleep metrics. Had we extended the study, we would have attained them more than likely. But what we did get from the study was that instantaneously after doing a 10, 10 minute full body treatment, so five minutes on the front, five minutes on the back, the HRV went up like 144%. So wow. you're reducing your stress. And so I always tell people, imagine if you combine things like red light therapy with meditation or just like gratitude, or what if you combine that with like you're sitting right now, red light therapy plus blue light blocking, um, you, you more than likely just going to get a synergistic effect there, but yep. I guess to, just to drive home the point that like light impacts your physiology, um, regardless. It's a great takeaway. Yeah. Simply amazing. Inner light. That's where we wanted to go. We were about yeah. to do it way 20 minutes ago. If you have time. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I could go another little while. So let's just keep going. Cause I know this is a really central part, at least that's what I've understood. Uh, through me following you the last couple of years is, and I think this was almost like, because I followed Ben Greenfield religiously for years, and he was very much about the biohacking strategies and tactics and, and products and supplements. But over, over the past handful of years as well, he's gone much more to the spiritual side or the inner light side. So I'd just love to hear from you. What has that experience been like? How did you gravitate towards it? What does that look like for you? And how has it, how has it impacted you? Well, thanks for asking. I, I uh, really love this subject. It's one of my favorites to talk about and to get into. So I had quite an interesting time after starting the company. So the story I've shared was up until the beginning of the company and then kind of working through some of the initial kinks and challenges. And I spoke about Aura. I was 18 years old when I started the company. As I mentioned to you off the air, I had just started it after high school uh, I was, as most people at that age, just looking for some kind of direction, right? So even though people and, you know, very kindly and in a flattering way, people say, oh, what was I doing in high school? What was I doing in my early twenties? You know, people, uh, kind of flatter me in this way, but I'm just like anybody else. I just happen to have a company that I started and, you know, you, you might have heard the quote or the concept that you take somebody who has uh, some really negative inclinations and you give them a lot of money, they are just going to 
further those negative inclinations. You take somebody with positive inclinations, you give them a bunch of money, they're going to further those, right? And so I wouldn't necessarily say that me getting a company at the time was the best thing I possibly could have received as a, as a teenager. I mean, for me, I, I do think it, it was because it is simply, it is how it is, right? So it was the, the thing that God or the universe decided to give me that I needed to learn the lessons I needed to learn. So that's how I personally look at it. That being said, it wasn't all butterflies and, and roses. I what wouldn't have considered myself, I wouldn't consider myself still somebody negatively inclined as far as gambling or drugs or alcohol. In fact, quite the opposite, much more health-minded. At the same time, emotionally, psychologically, mentally, there were definitely a lot of tendencies of that I can look back on of, you know, being immature, being uh, inclined to be stressed or concerned or worried about things ceaselessly or unnecessarily, you know? Um, so, you know, I grew up in a bit of a, I'd say semi-chaotic, uh, household parents did their very best, but my parents were divorced and you have that right off the bat. It creates a sort of sense of instability. Right. And maybe it was for the best, but you get the idea, right? There's everybody has their own story. and, And so that was mine. Now, the reason I bring that up is because as I was building the company, it became like, just like it was for the diet stuff, just like it was for the light stuff, it became my obsession, absolute obsession. You know, how am I going to make this thing work? How am I going to get this information out? And I imagine, you know, you and maybe every other business owner has gone through a similar phase. It just happened that I was, you know, 21, 22, didn't really have much else, even younger, I should say, I was 18, 19, 20. And I didn't really have anything else going on in my life. I didn't have a social group because all my friends, you know, went off to college and they built their own social groups. I was sort of a lone wolf traveling around the world for a couple of years, uh, you know, meeting people where I went, but no real solid stability and just drifting. All that's to say, I ended up feeling pretty lonely, uh, pretty isolated, pretty lost and having this company and having this freedom on the surface could look like I'm living the dream, right? Because people see, oh, he's here. He's because the Instagram life is like, oh, you're doing, you know, you're not going to post the times where you're sitting at home, losing your mind, right? Necessarily, although you might, if you're going to be super transparent, right? Some people maybe do, but I wasn't. And so I, you know, my friends and people are like, yeah, you're in Croatia. You're this, that. I remember being, for example, like in Croatia one summer, just hanging out mostly by myself, working way more than, you know, I needed to. And that was even beneficial. In fact, it was counter. It was just like, put this another way. The company gave me an endless to-do list of items to distract myself from how I was feeling inside. And so it was a perfect thing to just avoid my own internal psychological issues, whatever those may have been, you know, you know, the things that we all have to face through going through challenges, you have a breakup, you learn to be more mature and not maybe attach as much or to, you know, you you learn lessons through life. Everybody does. Right. Well, for me, it was like (laughs) evasion in some respects to many, to many, uh, to a great degree. Now come the pandemic, this kind of just was bottling up where I was still feeling lonely, not feeling really clear on what I was doing, starting to actually resent my own company, my own, my own, I should say, kind of what I was doing, not because it wasn't going out and helping people, it sure was, but because I started to paint 
the greatest gift in some respects that I had been given, this great, one of the greatest gifts, this amazing company, all these connections and opportunities, I came to see it as something that was limiting me, uh, that was keeping me from going out and focusing on education, focusing on stuff I wanted to without realizing that it was the very platform from which I could choose to do that if I was willing to you know, raise my frequency, if you will, and shift my perspective and thinking. So it was the perfect test at the perfect time. Anyway, I came across the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I had read some spiritual books as a teenager. I had read Brahm Das, Be Here Now. I was really interested in Jesus and the Bible because of Dr. Jordan Peterson in particular. I already had an affinity. I was raised more or less atheist um, because my parents weren't particularly religious, but I had an affinity for Jesus and the church. Uh, Dr. Peterson talking very intellectually about the Bible, and I imagine you're familiar with Jordan Peterson, um, speaking very intellectually about the Bible and the stories and the archetypes and a map of human consciousness in a book and a guide, right, as he does, really interested me. And I read his book, 12 Rules for Life, and I thought, I want to look into the Bible more. So very open to spiritual concepts. Anyway, when I came across Dr. Dispenza, I thought, and I had heard about him years prior, but I thought, I'm really struggling right now. And COVID was a point when I couldn't really run from that, right? So I'd better sign up for something. I knew it had to be a psychological thing. It had to be a spiritual teacher, a psychological something. It wasn't going to be the next biohack. I wasn't going to, I had already done, this is the key point. I had done all the ice baths. I had done all the sun, sun gazing, sun bathing, grounding, earthing, supplements, fluoridate, fluoride free water, you name it. I had done this stuff, right? Red light therapy, right? And all of those contributed, I'm sure, to my physical health, my brain chemistry working somewhat better. But what I came to understand from this experience is that the external light and all these other external things and the way they affect our brain chemistry, although they're going to have a benefit and put you in the position where you can maybe think better, your brain works better, maybe get a little bit out of survival to be able to ask better questions. If you're living in chronic stress and survival, as Dr. Dispenza talks about, for example, many other researchers have studied this for a long time, chronic stress isn't good for our body. In fact, it's very, very harmful and detrimental because you're putting all of our vital energy into the, the production of stress hormones and survival. And I realized that not only just running the business, but my entire life, I had been living in stress for whatever reason, childhood, this, whatever, like always trying to control and predict and trying to find safety and security by trying to control and predict everything, which is a great way to make yourself sick because you put all your energy into that. You're constantly in survival and people can relate to that. So what I was understanding from, from Dr. Dispenza and I've come to understand only more now, or at least I think I get it, but you know, there's always much more to learn. He would say something along the lines of, you know, I created my business in order to reaffirm or, or the way I was using my business was to reaffirm an addiction to stress, control, et cetera. I, but it's nothing to do with the business. I could have been and often in other energy states was using the business as a tool of inspiration, right? And helping people and those higher level concepts. And it couldn't have existed without that as a foundation, but there were periods where it shifted more into like, I'm a victim. You know, this is so hard. This is stopping me from my fullest potential, whatever you name it. These are the stories. So what I came to understand to, you know, bring this home is that it's probably, I wouldn't even say probably, it's certainly equally as important, if not more important to take care of cultivating our own inner life. And the way that we do that compared to 
cultivating our external light. It's equally as important, if not more important, to cultivate our inner light. And again, I, I say that with a lot of conviction now because you, anybody can understand the science of stress. If you're chronically in stress, you're taking your body's vital life force energy, using it to create stress hormones, you're stopping digestion, you're putting your blood in your muscles, and you know, you're preparing your heart rate is increasing. Dr. Dispenza talks about how when your you know, heart rate starts increasing, but you're not running or sprinting, it's beating against a closed system because there's, you know, you're not running. The energy is just inside. So there's this, you know, basically unhealthy imbalance and lack of coherence that begins to occur in the heartbeat and so on. Not like healthy heart rate variability, but the opposite, right? So if we're constantly living in that state, you could be, it, it's like pouring water into a plant with big holes in the bottom. The water's just all going to go out. We have to build that solid foundation in our mind, in our routine, in our in our spirit, in our energy, which takes hard work, right? Whether it's meditation, Tai Chi, Qi Gong, overcoming yourself, journaling, studying. At the end of the day, I think what it comes down to for me is just getting up every day and in every situation, like even now on this podcast speaking to you, choosing to do my best to sit up straight, for example, or the equivalent, right? Stand up straight and show up in the highest possible way that we can. And it's not always easy. And it's not always the funnest thing, the most fun thing to do. But I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, and when, for example, in work this morning, the last week, there's always things I'm I should be careful with my words because our words create our reality to a great extent, but there have often been things, and you might know this, that I avoid or that one avoids in a business. There's these challenges and things that are like, well, I don't really want to look at that. Percent. <laughs> and and sometimes the, the freest I ever feel is when I finally overcome it and do that. But a lot of the time, it isn't like forcing myself to overcome that. I actually have to get myself to a through a meditation or just relaxing or going for a run, disconnecting from the hormones of stress, get out of survival when I'm inclined to avoid, you know, fight, fight, flight, or hide or freeze, right? I'm inclined to avoid those things. Somehow, and this is all again, in, in, not all, but great to a great extent inspired by Dr. Dispenza's teachings, you get out of the survival state, whether it's through meditation or going out and exercising or going for a walk or whatever, right? He uses meditation primarily. Then all of a sudden, that same issue that I've been avoiding, and when I start to feel really good inside and I change my energy and I say, no, I'm not going to be a victim right now. I'm going to be the creator of my life. I'm going to connect to that energy of what it feels like if, you know, not only Holland, but 10 other of the top soccer players and athletes in the world are wearing raw optics. And I'm out having dinner with them and we're doing press conferences, changing the world. That's a possibility that I could connect to and put energy into. I could also put energy and connect with the possibility that, you know, the world loses interest in blue light and whatever, you know what I mean? Like you could connect to any possibility. And the question is, which one are you putting energy? And it's always easier to put energy into the lower frequency thing. The best way I can explain it from my experience is like walking up a staircase. You have to put energy in to get to the next step. But once you have, you've lifted yourself up. If you just sit at the bottom and you just say, I want to be, I don't want to go up the steps. It takes energy. Well, then you're never going to go up the steps. And so it's, it's like the lower emotions take less energy. They're easier. But if we want to improve our life, we have to make effort, right? We actually have to take efforts. And Again, to kind of bring it home in, in another way, when I was running the business the first, I'd say four out of six years approximately, 
I didn't even know this stuff. So I don't blame myself. I didn't really understand how important this was, but I was choosing every day. I remember the day I called my friend after I watched Dr. Dispenza's, you know, intensive and progressive online courses. And I remember saying, dude, and he was there all the time for me, no matter how much I had to complain and vent to him about, you know, even maybe I was, you know, an unkind, uh, I was going to use a, a stronger word, but I was unkind sometimes because I'd be upset and I would take that out on, you know, somebody who had nothing to do with the situation, right? I'd be all frustrated or whatever. And, and they would, you know, and just being a great friend, he just kind of was like, whatever, bro, all good. Anyway, I remember calling him and be like, dude, I've been choosing to be a victim and creating this my whole, this was all me, bro. It wasn't even, it wasn't my circumstances. And I remember how empowering it was to realize like, we're creating these situations we're in as much as it might seem backwards for people who are used to choosing to be a victim because it's easier, right? It was so empowering. And so for me, all those years I was choosing to be in that mindset, I suffered the consequences, right? It's like the term sin. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go to hell and be punished and burn in eternal flames, although it might, depending on your beliefs and inclinations. Technically, it means to miss the mark, the Greek word. So basically, I missed the mark, whether it was intentional or unintentional, conscious or subconscious or unconscious through knowledge or lack of thereof. I was missing the mark and I was paying the price. When you miss the mark, you pay the price, right? And so it doesn't mean I'm perfect by any stretch. Now, I'm certainly not. I have plenty of challenges and flaws that I'm working on daily, but I'm doing my best to work on them. And I could probably do better. I uh, certainly could, right? But that shift of realizing that and that it's not just about coming, waking up every day. And this is, I think, important for entrepreneurs out there, you know, you and me both and many others. Like it's not about getting up and grinding and forcing. That's just not for some people that might be how they want to live their life. And I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their life. Right. But there is a way if you want to connect to the frequency of walking the fine line between that's right in between being too lazy and overworking yourself, because in some respects, actually overworking yourself is being lazy. And that might sound a bit ironic to people. But if you overwork yourself, you're being lazy in the sense that, for example, speaking from personal experience, I could have gone for a run and taken care of my health, but it was actually easier to sit and stay at my laptop for another three hours. And I can trick myself and say that I was grinding, I was working hard, but then I feel like crap at the end of the day, my brain hurts, my head hurts, my body hasn't done anything. So I head hurts, body, no matter if I wore blue blocking glasses or not, they're going to make it a lot less bad on my eyes and my hormones, et cetera. But if you stare at your computer screen for eight hours straight without taking a break, even with the glasses, the nervous system stimulation is too much. You need to go for a walk, right? So there's a way to walk a fine line and work just as much as you need and take time for yourself and make time for your family and your kids or your yourself if you're single or whatever, your girlfriend, social relationships, right? I haven't mastered this, but there's a way to do it. And I've gotten a lot better over the last few years to have this balance. My goal just being totally transparent. I want to work three, four, five, six, seven hours a day, not much more, and then enjoy life and actually enjoy the fruits of my labors, not in 10 years and try to make some exit. That's what Dr. Dispenza would say is putting all your, you know, I can't say exactly what he would say. I don't know, but I would think he'd say something like, you know, putting all your happiness into the future. That's the future. It doesn't exist. It's all about being in the present moment. So I figured to myself, Mike, at some point in this journey, if I'm working really hard for my company, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm putting my payout, payoff, 
five years down. In fact, I was for the first four years, I was putting the payoff one day, it'll all get dialed in. And I realized, well, wait a minute, it's been four years since I started the company. I feel miserable. I'm not taking care of my health. I'm not building relationships the way I want. When I travel, I'm not enjoying it. I'm stressed. I'm working too much. I'm not enjoying the places I am. And then I had to ask hard questions that are harder than grinding, quote unquote. Grinding's easy. Grinding 16 hours a day, 12 hours a day. It's actually easier than people think. It's it's lazy, actually, in my opinion. It's it's letting yourself down on the things that matter the most in your life, your social relationships, your family, your health, right? Your psychological well-being. I'm going to actually figure out how to do this right where I can work hard, which I do every single day. I've been, you know, I was up at 5 a.m. today or yeah, a little earlier and working for three or four hours and took a little break and now we're on the podcast. Like I do what I got to do, but then I'm going to go for a run and then I'm going to spend time with my grandparents who I mentioned I'm visiting by chance, we're really close to each other right now of all places, right? So anyway, that those different anecdotes and stories I've shared really, to me, illustrate, illustrate the difference between uh, cultivating our external light, which we spoke all about and why it's so relevant for our biological health. But if we live in chronic stress and survival and we don't take care of our inner light, as I'm calling it, our inner electromagnetic field, which this is a whole separate interview we might have to do down the road, but it's been proven that it exists. Read the body electric by Dr. Robert O'Becker, read light shaping life, biophotons and biology and medicine. And you'll understand our cells communicate with light. There's an organizing field of energy and information that governs the way our cells function, what becomes what, how all the cells, they have the same exact genes, but this one knows to become a brain cell, a nerve cell in the brain. And this one knows to become uh, kidney cell, liver cell, genital, you know, reproductive organs, et cetera. That's because of a guiding and organizing governing field of energy and information that informs everything. And that's who we really are. Other traditions call it a soul. And I believe that therefore taking care of who we really are ourselves and making the right decisions is as important as from the external side. It's incredible, man. And I Really appreciate you sharing that, all of that with us. Just like a my pleasure. So enlightening again to be punny like you were earlier. When you're talking, and I told you this when before we started recording, like there's so many parallels between you and me. We're similar age, but we've gone through similar uh, stages in life, and we've seen the similar yet different paths of trials and tribulations. And I'm not to where you are with this inner lightedness. Granted. I've learned and read all of Joe Dispenza's books many years ago, but I've yet to put it into practice like you have. And listening to you the last 10 or 15 minutes, it's like, man, boy, have I been missing the boat the last, you know, like 12 or 18 months that I haven't been instilling all of these messages and practices from Joe Dispenza or whomever is propagating the message. But it's so true. It's kind of scary, like everything you said matches me the stresses of work working hard to kind of hide whatever subdued stresses or emotions or repressing them thinking that working harder is like working more efficiently or like you're saying instead of exercising i got to do these tasks instead of going out and and hanging out with my wife or or my family or seeking out conversations with friends what have you i'm going to keep working and it's a it's an extremely slippery slope a lot of escapism there to your point. And so all of that to say, this is kind of like a selfish question, but also for the audience. If you're not used to this inner light life, which would be part of the light diet that you have propagated, 
what does that look like? A lot of this is like for entrepreneurs, right? Because that's where kind of you're speaking from. But what if you're just like a, a nine to five, raising a family, limited time and energy? How does one instill this practice that is so important into overall health and well-being? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Well, and uh, Mike, thanks for first of all letting me share all the detail. I, I really, uh, I'm grateful. I think this is one of the coolest podcasts I've ever done, and and it has so much to do with the parallel of our stories and the questions you're asking are so uh, relevant to me as well because they're relevant to you, right? So, as far as how to how to start on this, I would want if if you have you know maybe ten or ten or so more minutes, I could give you an overview of the light diet on the whole because that's what led to the inner light for me. And then where people can start is pretty easy. I'm going to refer them to a particular resource. So as far as the light diet as a whole, it's the summation of all the things I learned from my experience and the people I followed and studied from and the researchers who I went and actually directly met with and spoke with to make this information simple and applicable. And it's not fully set in stone. It's an ever-evolving protocol. And I'll probably almost certainly put it into a book sooner than later. We have a blog on the website, which is kind of the best summary to date. But there are five core steps of the light diet with a few bonus steps, or maybe six. We'll see how many it comes out to be. But so the first core step of the light diet is cultivate your inner light. Now, to answer this question right off the bat, I'll just get straight to the chase on this one. I would recommend people go and look into Dr. Joe Dispenza for the most part, right? Because the reason I say for the most part is because other people might resonate with other teachers. But Find somebody who isn't a charlatan, first of all, isn't somebody who is, uh, you know, is preaching one thing, living another. And this takes a very great level of discernment. And I'm fortunate that I had a friend of mine who's a very committed yogi and was living as a monk for many years in India who recommended me to two teachers, Dr. Joe Dispenza and Paramahansa Yogananda, who's a Indian monk who came over to the United States a hundred years ago to spread a message of a technique called Kriya Yoga, a particular type of meditation technique, um, which, you know, he was one of the, he was the second major teacher who came to the West from India, from the East to spread this concept of meditation in a non, in non-religious way, um, just in a, in a scientific way. Right. And he started an organization anyway. So the point is for people find someone who's walking the path, right? Not just talking the path, but walking the path. That's the biggest distinction. That just came out really well. <laughs> so <laughs> I never said that before, but seriously, it, it is a huge difference. And so I think Dr. Joe Dispenza, I know because I've met him, uh, he's somebody who's walking the path, right? And the things he does, you know, running a week long retreat every month with people at those events healing from all sorts of illnesses, from freeing themselves from old emotions. It's unbelievable. I've been to 12 of his events just because I love the guy. I love the community. I love the retreat experience. I love the the benefits I get. I feel better and, and get new insights every time. So for me, that's, that's a way that I learned, you know, I've worked hard and made some cash and I want to do stuff that are, that's going to keep investing in myself, not just rest on my laurels in, in some respect. That's the place I decided, you know what, I'm going to invest in myself. And that was a cool thing. So anyway, find somebody who who, who you feel good about, whether it's Joe Dispenza, Yogananda, Michael Singer, who wrote The Surrender Experiment and The Untethered Soul. 
think those would be the biggest. Joe Dispenza, if you're really science-minded and you want it handed to you, you want to go to an event in person and practice it, I would recommend that highly, 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 highly. Um, Yogananda has amazing teachings for those who are a little bit more spiritually inclined and open-minded to things that aren't accepted in Western medicine, like masters and saints in India performing miracles. You know that Christians, many true Christians believe in by virtue of following Jesus, but um, other people are very closed-minded to. But having read and understood the books about bioelectromagnetism and light, I understood that if we are truly an energy field and the, the physical material body that makes us up, is it's all still just vibrating energy. And this isn't anything controversial. The greatest physicists all agree the same thing. Every atom is 99.9% .9 empty space. And what's there that isn't space is vibrating energy. It's not even physical. The only reason I can't put my hand through my other hand is because there's electromagnetic repulsion, but it's not matter that's solid in the sense we think of solid. It's just repulsion, right? And there's a perception of solidity that is just our senses basically slowing down, vibrating light into something that appears solid, but it's much more like an oscillation, like a hologram, right? When you understand this, you could actually realize from a Western perspective that some of these miracles that occurred, whether it's in the case of Christ or in the case of great Eastern Indian saints and so forth, are or many Christian saints and Catholic saints over the last centuries are possible, right? So that's the kind of more of the Yogananda angle. And then Michael Singer is also a very relatable, practical guy, very simple. He has two great books called The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment, uh, The Surrender Experiment, which you mentioned, Mike, earlier on. I would recommend people check out those practices. And to your point about it being a slippery slope about, and I've been there so many times and I still go there sometimes the overwork and using it as a sort of avoidance tactic, so to speak, I would say to the analogy of the slippery slope that meditation is and prayer are, and, and some kind of faith are our spikes, you know, like your snowshoes. So if you're on a slippery slope and you don't have something with spikes or snowshoes, you're going to slide down the slope most likely. So the, that is, and it's the whole point is it's not easy. It, it probably should be the hardest thing you do in the day. I mean, I don't want to give people that idea, but um, in fact, it could be really pleasurable and enjoyable. And it's supposed to be when I meditate now, I ask myself, what would this feel like if it felt really good? You know, what would it feel like if it was enjoyable and not miserable? Because it's not meant to be torture. But in the beginning, for a lot of people just sitting with themselves, and Dr. Dispenza kind of says something similar to this, if that's really difficult for you, it should tell you a lot about why your life is the way it is. Because if you can't sit with yourself at peace for five or 10 or 20 minutes and just relax and enjoy your being, imagine what other people feel when they're around you or imagine how you forget about other people. That doesn't even matter. Imagine what you have to deal with when you go into your world, when your senses are all distracted by all the things happening around you, your inner state is foundationally chaotic. Everything's going to be a nightmare. But if you go into the world and your inner state is foundationally at peace, then you can handle everything differently. And this isn't even my perspective. This is stuff I've learned from teachers wiser than me. It's, it's the perspective of, you know, the traditional uh, Hindu scriptures. And I have a friend, this yogi, who's taught me lots from this, these ancient scriptures. Like when you fill yourself, he says internally with this energy, so to speak, by this, by some kind of meditative practice, then in the beginning, you can make it so that the things from outside don't affect you. You can actually become kind of like independent. Your state can become independent of what's outside of you, which is already a high state to reach. And I'm not fully there. I'm working on it. But 
then you can get to it. But I, I can see how different it is for me from a few years ago. So there's proof in the pudding for me that it works from my experience. And people have to do this to feel it themselves. Otherwise, it's just words, right? But then at a certain point, he said to me that if people evolve past a certain point, you can actually start influencing those outside of you with your state, you know, when you've cultivated a certain level. And that's a really powerful, cool place to be. So anyway, you can inspire people, et cetera. So anyway, those are my recommendations about cultivating your inner light. Now, I'll briefly, if I may, go through the other steps of the light diet, which we've already implied, and I don't need to explain them much, but because my experience shows me that setting your foundational rhythm and all these other pieces in place lays a nice foundation for spiritual practices. You get more connected with the external environment, the sun and the moon and nature, et cetera. So the other pieces of the light diet after cultivate your inner light would be watch the sunrise in order to set your circadian rhythm and wake up and turn on your hormones during the day. The third step of the light diet would be eat with the sun. So time your meals with the sun. Don't eat late big meals. According to Ayurvedic traditional Indian medicine, and this is also largely backed by the emerging Western science, it's best to eat during daylight hours within a restricted window. And according to Ayurvedic science in particular from India, this medicine and science that's been practiced for 5,000 plus years and effectively so, it, the best time to eat is in the middle of the day because our digestive fire matches the rhythm of the sun. So when the sun's the strongest, eat your biggest meal, your heavy proteins, whatever you want to eat. If you're going to eat steak, don't eat it at dinner, eat in the middle of the day. Not that I recommend or don't recommend steak. It's just, you know, whatever somebody wants to eat, that would be the best time to do it. I wouldn't recommend eating any heavy proteins, whether you're more plant inclined or meat inclined late in the day. So anyway, main meal being lunch and breakfast and dinner, almost auxiliary, right? Like if you're not hungry, you don't even need them. Lunch could be the one meal a day, the main meal. And that's the focus. So anyway, eat with the sun. Um, you know, if you're going to have sweets, I, and this is something I love sweets, to be honest, probably because I work so much and my brain gets tired. I don't know. You know, I want the glucose, but, but uh, ideally not later in the day because our insulin sensitivity goes off a cliff as you get later in the day. So if you're going to have anything sweet, it's much better to have it in the morning. So it's crazy for people to think or to, to consider for many people that drinking a can of Coca-Cola in the morning could actually be less bad for you than, you know, eating fruit at night. And that might sound crazy, but actually because of the way the biology processes the food and the sugar, eating fruit late at night could actually be way worse for you. And there's actually studies on this by Dr. Sachin Panda of, uh, he wrote the book, The Circadian Code. You give an animal healthy food, but at the wrong time of the day versus unhealthy food at the right time of the day, if the metabolism is equipped and properly ready to process it, the body can process that. If it's not, whatever you're eating basically becomes toxins, right? It can't be broken down. It becomes toxic. So anyhow, eat with the sun. Step three. Step four, sunbathe, charge with the sun, right? So soak up the sun's rays, get that red and near infrared, which is present in the morning and evenings at sunrise and sunset. But also you get the ultraviolet, uh, which has certain benefits for vitamin D production later, you know, later in the morning or earlier in the afternoon. I generally recommend late morning to early afternoon sunbathing, not right at the middle of the day, unless you're very careful and calculated about your exposure. Don't burn, right? I burnt myself a little bit on my face and my my lips when I sun uh, when I go surfing sometimes and I got to be really careful. So that's not something you want to you want to do. So words of caution. I don't always practice what I preach, and so I'm you know I'm not perfect as I said right, but I'm working on that and trying to be the best that I can. So anyhow, uh, but but you don't want to do that on a regular basis because that can incline us towards you know aging, skin aging, even skin cancer if you overdo it. Um, so you you, you want to be careful, right? But 
don't avoid the sun completely because the science is clear that that definitely increases your risk of all sorts of illnesses, including cancer, lowering your immunity, lowering your vitamin D level, you know, the whole thing, right? Anyway, step four would be charged with the sun. Step five would be mitigate harmful artificial light. So evening comes around, uh, you know, or even during the day, you're exposed to blue light from a screen, wear raw optics, daylight lenses, protect your eyes from the screen. Unless like I do often, you're outside working on your laptop outside under an umbrella or in the direct sun, whatever you want. I don't prefer to work in direct sun because when I'm in the sun, I want to absorb it, take a break and soak up the sun and then work and focus. And I used to try to work in the sun at the same time. It was an example of being lazy. Instead of just work focus, I would compromise my work by getting too hot in the sun and not really absorb the sun either. Example of being lazy, right? Could have just worked and focused and enjoyed the sun and enjoyed my work. You get the idea anyway. And uh, the last thing would be sleep with the sun. So Basically, when watch the sunset, help your rhythm go into relaxed mode, and then get ready for sleep. And that's when you would put on your raw optics, red sunset lenses, blue light blocking glasses to help produce more melatonin if you're exposed to artificial light. Now, we're working on some cool lighting solutions. It's probably going to take some time, might be six to 12 months um, out, not probably any sooner, but lighting solutions for homes for evening, because that fits really well with what we're already doing. And it's something that could change a lot of lives and benefit people and our customers are asking for. So, you know, you could have healthier, warmer lights like incandescent bulbs in your home, but in general, you don't want to have bright white lights, warm, warm, warm lights would be ideal. I also don't recommend purely red light alone in the house because red has psychological impacts where if you have too much bright red light alone at night, that's another conversation, but I think red light therapy is amazing, but I wouldn't use only red light to illuminate a house at night based on my understanding of the psychology of colors that I've gone into and studied pretty deeply at this point for uh, what we what we do with our lenses and so on. Anyway, the, there's three bonus steps that are really brief as well. Um, go outside barefoot, obviously grounding. Don't drink any unfluoridated or fluoridated water, drink only unfluoridated spring water, uh, you know, and don't drink city water in general because it's full of all kinds of toxins. You can listen to that on all kinds of other podcasts and then avoid and mitigate electromagnetic radiation. So for example, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, use an ethernet cable. If you can turn your phone in airplane mode when it's in your pocket, hardwire your internet connection, kill your circuit breaker when you sleep, avoid living in major cities because you're bathing in EMF and 5G and all this new technology, which is a big running experiment that we could do a whole other podcast about based on what I've studied and I'm sure you've read about. But anyway, those are the core steps of the light diet. And when you do those things from an environmental standpoint, especially with the meal timing, the rhythm, it can help your rhythm in a way that you naturally wake up a little bit earlier in the morning, especially not eating a big meal late in the day, making your main meal lunch and getting really accustomed to being super light and fasting in the afternoon and going to sleep. Uh, that can really allow the body to wake up earlier, feeling lighter. And that's the right time to meditate. Ideally is before we get into our day, before we're stimulated by all the things that remind us of who we think we are, as, as Joe Dispenza would say, uh, we can actually create that state independently of those influences. So if people practice those things, it'll set them up for more success in their meditation and spiritual practices. And a great teacher of mine, Dr. Jack Cruz, you know, very intelligent guy. He always said, when you know better, you do better. And I do believe that if people study the science, uh, or I should say the science of meditation and just the concepts, they'll be able to apply what you asked about, Mike, about cultivating inner light in a way that is that has meaning for them. That isn't just because 
I've had many times that I've meditated and it lost the meaning. And so you have to actually have meaning behind what you're doing in order to get an outcome and have a result. Of of Joe Dispenza's book, which one would you recommend? If not all of them, but which one would you? Yeah, I would think people should generally start with breaking the habit of being yourself. But my experience, especially that I was in survival at the time, so in survival, I didn't even, when you're in survival, you feel like you don't have any time, right? You constantly feel like you don't have enough time. And if that's how somebody who's listening to this feels, and I felt that way for a long time, and sometimes occasionally still do, it's a sign that you're probably in survival and stress, and it'd be a great opportunity to try to see what it would be like to be on the other side of that. And imagine if there were a life possible that doesn't exist like that. That being said, at the time, I went straight for the online courses. I would recommend people to go right into the online intensive and progressive courses because they're much more engaging than a book. In my opinion, you see Dr. Joe, you feel his energy more. They're actually in the process of updating those. I have no idea when those will be updated, but uh, at least that's what I heard. So I would recommend people just go with what's on there because it's phenomenal. And I did that. And then as soon as I saw their emails after the pandemic, because this was during the pandemic, I did those courses. After the pandemic, I saw their emails or as it was kind of, fading, let's say. Uh, and I use the term pandemic very loosely for those who are curious. But um, anyway, they had these live events and I started attending and it transformed my life to actually take a week out of being the victim in the program. Now I kept going back because I didn't want to forget. Right. And then there's been this really interesting thing over the last, I went to a bunch of their events over the last like two and a half years. And there's been a really interesting um, sort of process of integrating this when I'm meditating and at a retreat and out of my normal life feeling amazing, but then I'd come back into my life and choose to go back to the program. And so that's when the rubber meets the road. You know, when you actually have to decide, am I going to become the victim again and stress and react and be unkind to, I work with family in my business as well. So I've hired some family members um, because it's, they're the most trustworthy people. They're phenomenal. Uh, However, there's, challenges with that. Right. And that's had to force me, you know, they, they say, uh, I've heard a spiritual teacher say, I don't remember who it was, but you know, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your parents. Right. And you'll realize just, just where you're at. And I've been working on that tremendously. So I intentionally on the advice of this yogi friend of mine, intentionally spend more time with my parents to overcome my own crap and work on the relationship with them as well, which is a really great blessing. We all have an opportunity we have while our parents are still living. So anyhow, that's my recommendation for Dr. Joe is to start with the online intensive and progressive course. Amazing. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave the link for that in the show notes below. And Matt, before we r- really wrap it up here, just to give yeah. it full circle back to raw optics and back to blue light blocking glasses. You kind of alluded to this, but just to give us a succinct, just like you did for the light diet, what is the scheduling, so to speak, of utilizing these different blue light blocking glasses? Yeah, my pleasure. So daylight lenses, yellow daylight lenses are designed to block blue light during the day. You know, I'll start with sunset because it makes more sense. So sunset lenses, people understand sun goes down. Our brains designed to have darkness. Very, there's very little light intensity from the moon, the stars, lightning, bioluminescent animals and fire. Those are some of the only natural forms of light besides the sun we would find in nature, right? Very, very low intensity except fire. But in the case of the fire, it's stored sunlight in logs and plant matter that's being released or oil that's being released. 
And because the light's effectively been slowed down, it's being released in shorter or longer wavelengths, lower frequencies that don't affect our circadian rhythm. So fire doesn't disrupt your circadian rhythm, except at very bright intensities it could, but still much less than any blue light. And the moon is so dim, like one fifty thousandth the intensity of the sun. It's that big of a difference. It's like one lux of a full moon versus 50,000 lux of daylight, right? It's a huge, or 100,000 even on a bright, sunny, clear, blue sky summer day. Huge, huge difference in intensity. Our eyes adjust so it looks bright on a full moon, but it's your pupils like this on a full moon. And in the midday sun, it's like that, and it still feels bright. So anyway, I was just showing my finger for those listening. Anyway, um, all that's to say, so people understand why you would wear the blue blocking glasses at night. Whenever there's artificial lights around, they're disrupting the body's natural production of melatonin that happens in that natural darkness that we would have always had at night, right? Always. Anyway, sunset comes, you put on the glasses, you wear them until you go to sleep. And then what happens when people wear sunset lenses is that generally, as I shared earlier, people relax naturally in the evening without having to drink that glass or two of wine, smoke the cannabis, uh, take the Valium, take the melatonin supplements, et cetera, which can all be as substances addictive. Rather, let's just get the natural mechanism working the way it's designed. So relax naturally in the evening. People notice that they fall asleep more easily. They sleep more deeply through the night often, and they wake up with more energy, feeling more refreshed for the day often earlier than they normally would, right? And it works best when combined with morning sunlight exposure, which would be step two of the light diet, and with eating with the sun, which would be step three of the light diet, right? So those are critical things to do, meaning don't eat a big heavy meal three hours before bed or even four hours before bed because you have a light meal maybe as your last meal. And I would say people should ideally in the summer not eat much past six or seven at the latest. And in the winter, not eat much beyond four or five at the latest if people are looking for a recommendation. But even that meal, you might think something like a soup, definitely not raw food. You wouldn't want to have salad when I say light food, not salad, because raw food takes a lot more digestive energy to be burned. And this is consistent among traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, the research in Western science, I'm sure supports it, although I actually haven't looked specifically into that in detail, but it's raw food. It's not cooked. It takes more digestive fire to burn. It just makes sense, right? Anyway, that's when you would wear the sunset lenses. Now, daylight lenses are the one that's a little harder to explain, which is why I start with sunset lenses. But to make the long story short, when we're exposed to blue light during the day, it's important for our circadian rhythm to have blue light during the day so you don't fall asleep. So you activate the hormones, right? But that's blue light from the sun, right? And it's changing ratio in the sunlight from when it rises and there's less blue to more blue as it gets higher in the sky and then less blue as it decreases at the angle in the sky and then gets to sunset, right? That's all the blue light controlling our rhythm balanced by the huge amounts, 40 plus percent of the sunlight's just near infrared light alone, which is what balances out the more damaging effects of high energy blue light. And there's studies of cells. I've literally watched the videos of cells exposed to just blue light. The cells, the cell membranes degrade very quickly. You put the blue light with near infrared, and this is a huge plug for your products. The cells, the degradation of the cells literally is reduced significantly. So if you're in a blue light office or place and you don't have blue blocking glasses, if you just turn on a red light panel, you're going to reduce your risk immediately. Now I recommend doing both because why not? But, um, there you go, right? You get cellular protection, uh, both in the retina and the skin from the red light. With the blue blocking glasses, obviously, you're, pr you're protecting the most sensitive by far mechanism, which is your eye. So anyway, during the day, 
we have that unnatural blue light that we spoke about earlier. So you would want to put on the daylight lenses anytime, and this is a key detail, anytime you're exposed predominantly to artificial light or you're indoors behind window glass, which filters out and distorts the natural spectrum of sunlight. So the window glass actually reduces the amount of red and near infrared and modern energy efficient windows reduce it so significantly to reduce the air conditioning needs of those buildings because you block near infrared, which is felt as heat, you reduce the need for AC, of course, right? Because the near infrared wavelengths vibrate the air molecules in a way that causes them to get hotter in a way that the shorter wavelengths don't. And so uh, you block that out, you reduce the need for AC and it's all eco-friendly, you know, that whole, the whole thing, but then it's human toxic. So you have way more blue light relatively. So you can actually turn good sunlight into effectively unhealthy light. You know, the, the German doctor we work with Dr. Alexander Wunsch on our product development, he actually says that sunlight filtered through windows is no longer sunlight. It's actually junk light. It can actually become like junk light as some people call it anyway. So that's when you'd want to use your daylight lenses. I use them if I'm indoors behind windows. It's nice to be, it's nice to see the full color of things, right? Don't get me wrong. But if I'm indoors behind windows for more than 15 to 20 minutes, I'll wear the lenses. If I'm indoors all day, like at a conference, I'll wear the yellow lenses to reduce the oxidative damage in my retina um, caused by that blue light imbalance. If I am indoors anywhere with predominantly artificial light, so an office, a school, a grocery store, I'll wear the lenses. If I'm in there for only five minutes, uh, if it's not particularly bad, I won't. But if it's more than five or 10 minutes, or if the lights are bad, even for one minute, I'll wear them. Like I got off the jet bridge uh, on an airplane the other day and, you know, they turned the lights on on the plane. And then I got on the jet bridge and it was these fluorescent, fluorescent lights. And I went right into my bag and put them on even for the 20 seconds on the jet bridge before I got into the airport, which had more natural light. So that's basically when you would use them. Now, the thing people have to remember is you have to still get the natural daylight. So if you're wearing your daylight lenses, and this is critical for anyone anyway, and we're about to do this as we wrap up here, both of us, I hope, <laughs> but get outside every hour for at least five to 10 minutes and expose yourself to natural light to keep your hormones and circadian rhythm running. And the last thing I'll say, because people always ask this question and we should give them the full, the full answer is, can you wear the yellow lenses at night and can you wear the red lenses or the red orange during the day? And the answer to both is yes, but they're not exactly designed for that. The red sunset lenses offer more protection for sleep in the evening. So if you want the maximum benefit to your sleep, yeah, the lenses are a little darker and they block a little more of the light. So the color perception is a little reduced, but that's the price we pay. But at night, effectively what you see when you wear those is all the colors of fire. It's like you're just going back 300 years to when there was only candlelight, right? So that's why those are better for the evening. And then during the day, if you wear the sunset lenses during the day, you might find yourself falling asleep. I would only use the sunset lenses in the worst of lighting conditions. Like when during the, the Corona days, uh, you know, I would go get COVID tests because I was getting, I was traveling a ton and I'd sit in some clinics and wait all this time while they're doing the tests and waiting in the lobby and I couldn't leave because whatever. So I'd sit there and I'd put on my red lenses because the, the light was so bad that even I felt more relaxation from the red lenses, but that's very rare, right? For the most part, the yellow lenses are more than sufficient. They block out nine, more than 95% of the blue light during the day. We'd let in just a little bit for that alertness and so on to stay, you know, when you're using them. Uh, but they're generally more than sufficient for daytime protection. They're so much more tinted than your average clear lens blue blocking glasses. So they offer a great degree of protection. So very thorough answer. And I appreciate you letting me go into the detail and, and asking. Those are the different times when we would use the different lenses.
So suffice it to say, Matt, the only time you wouldn't wear them is when you're outside. Yes, outside or, well, I would, so because if you're outside at night and there's no natural light, but tons of street lights, car lights, headlights. So the distinction should be natural light versus artificial light. When you're predominantly exposed to natural light, you wouldn't really wear them. You could as a form of sunglasses, but based on what we've researched and studied, sunglasses aren't something you'd want to use on a regular basis, except in extreme circumstances. Let's say I'm driving and I'm in the car and the light's already filtered through the window. So it's already kind of suboptimal light already. And it's I'm in the desert and the sun's really hot. I had this happen recently. I was in LA out by the desert at an event driving back and the light was really intense. I put on my yellow lenses. And at one point I might've put on the red lenses because it was so intense and they actually can function as sunglasses. They offer the UVA, UVB protection, but unlike other sunglasses that either darken the whole spectrum or distort the spectrum, cutting out the UVA, UVB, but letting in all the high energy blue light, our lenses cut out the shorter wavelengths very effectively, which are the ones that would be more inclined to cause damage in excess and let through the longer wavelengths, which are more associated with healing, like the red and near-infrared light. So if you wear raw optics lenses out in daylight, and we don't market this because I don't want people to get the wrong idea and not get sunlight. We could probably make a bunch more money if we did, and we'll figure out a way to educate people and do it in a way that's ethical and right. But people could wear our lenses outside as you could call them light therapy lenses and actually get a therapeutic red light an infrared light treatment on their eyes from the sun for their retina without the higher energy, shorter wavelength light. But yes, and the last thing I would add, because I didn't, because uh, for, for the yellow lenses, I didn't mention the exact benefits, but what people will feel when they wear them, generally speaking, is they'll feel the edge taken off, right? So you take the edge off that little sort of agitation that comes from these fluorescent lights, which is that blue light spike, fluorescent or LED lights, it's that high energy blue light spike spiking your cortisol level because of the way it affects our hormones. So you'll feel the lenses take the edge off. And so what we say, what I tell people is you'll feel your mind and eyes relax naturally, and then your energy balances out, right? And if your energy is balanced, you might even find that your mood and energy and productivity actually rises gently over that time. And I have had guys who are the charging, hard-hitting entrepreneurs who I wouldn't consider lazy who grind, but they're grinding with intention. They're building really big, you know, seven-figure, eight-figure, nine-figure companies, you know, recruiting businesses for tech companies. And this one guy, a friend of mine, lives out in Miami, used to be in San Diego, and he told me, dude, I'm on the computer 16 hours a day, and I used to get really bad headaches and was exhausted by the later portions of the day. And with your lenses, that just doesn't happen at all. So for somebody like him who's doing what he wants to do and he's committed that that's how he wants to operate, even though I'd rather have more, you know, free time to do other exploratory inspirational things because I'm more in the creative mode in my business, more power to them, right? And it can give people that advantage. And and all that's to say, it's from a science perspective, which you know we talked about the benefits of getting into and also just giving people the high level. But for people who want to understand, it's actually protecting your retina. It's protecting your hormones from this dysregulation that occurs with excess artificial light. And it's uh, yeah, that, that's basically it. It's helping your body stay in balance. And then the sunset lenses at night are actually protecting your body's natural secretion of melatonin, which is the body's most important antioxidant, anti-aging, anti-cancer molecule. So your cells literally repair more. So people ask, what's the benefit? What's the benefit? Well, a rising tide lifts all ships, right? So you improve the cellular function of the function of all your mitochondria in your cells that make energy. Everything in life requires energy. You take cyanide, it cuts off the energy production in your mitochondria and you die immediately. That's why spies carried cyanide in a capsule on their neck and they'd bite it if they got captured sometimes and they 
die instantly, right? So you increase that energy flow and, and function of the mitochondria. Every system in the body works better. You become more alive. So that's why I recommend people doing these light diet practices in addition to the cultivation of our inner light because you build a stronger foundation for health, vitality, brain chemistry, et cetera. Appreciate that answer, Matt. As always, very thorough and educational. And I and I don't mean to continue to extend this conversation. Okay, I'm happy. I'm cool with this. This is great. Yeah, this has been by far one of my favorite interviews to date. But just a couple of points, and then I think a last question. So when I said outside, I meant like during full, like uh, in the middle of the day. If you're outside, you wouldn't need the glasses. But to your point, if like you're living that city life and there's lights everywhere, like Vegas, the Strip. Yeah, you want to throw on those blue light blocking glasses, correct? I mean, yeah, but but during daytime, no, only at night. Correct. Because during daytime, the sunlight outweighs everything when you're outdoors. It's just when you're behind glass that it gets distorted. Perfect. And then to your point, like you alluded to, if you're at your desk in front of a computer, the best of both worlds is blue light blocking glasses and like a red light therapy device here. And this one, shameless plug here. I don't know if you know of our glow which is like a I saw uh, it. it looks super cool. I got to get one. And so the point about that is the light intensity of that device is really, really low. So I can look straight at the LEDs and I find it relaxing every time I look at it. So my point being, it's a perfect thing to have by your computer because a panel or even some other handheld devices are just strong light, right? So it's like almost harsh on your eyes, but this glow device is like the one to counter that blue light from the blue light of the screen. But that's not even what I wanted to talk about. My point was with blue light blocking glasses, it blocks the blue light of the computer. If you're using red light therapy at the same time, to your point, it doesn't block the red and near infrared light. So you're still getting the best of both worlds, correct? Yes, correct. Exactly. Ooh, still your eyes are getting the nutrition, so to speak, of the red and near infrared. It is very, very nutritious for the eyes, certainly. That's a great way to put it. And then... I guess I'll add, if I may, just one thing on that point, actually, I think it's a great point. People can and should ideally also either go outdoors if you can. So whenever I can, I typically will work outdoors. Today was actually pretty rainy. Otherwise, normally I would do these podcasts outside, even visiting my grandparents. They actually had to, it's raining and my grandfather deconstructed his whole deck. He's rebuilding it. So it's not a choice today. But um, anyway, the natural light that comes in contains red and near infrared, even on a cloudy gray day. It's less, but it still contains it. And you can, if you buy a spectrometer, they're about a thousand bucks, but you can actually measure and see the near infrareds there. When you open the door, when you close it, it's gone. It's, it's significantly reduced at least. So anyway, opening a window, even when you're indoors, in fact, that'd be a good idea. I could open this window behind me and just kind of didn't think about it as we got started, but even me just opening one of like these windows locked anyway, you get the idea. It lets in some near infrared, which can kind of counterbalance some of the effects. So normally that would be an ideal thing to do. Um, and if what I do, cause I have a light on me for the video so you can see me and so on, otherwise it will be all dark. But um, when I'm sitting with a window, which I do at my home office, I open the window and I'm looking out and getting all that light in. And then I don't even need a video light or anything like that for people to see me illuminated properly because the illumination is coming from outside. So point is open the window too. Yeah. You can have the red light on at the same time, open the window as well. Right. Or if you can, you know, I like to work in Europe. It's my favorite place to spend time. One of my favorite places. I like to work out at cafes. You see the people, you see the energy, the vibes are great. The whole thing. It's one of my favorite things to do. 
great points, Matt. And then I guess to reiterate, if you're in a car, do those windows like office building windows or even I guess house windows, do they block the infrared light? Yeah, they reduce it typically, yes. So there again, it just depends on the glass or the plastic, the type of window, but yes, they will uh, reduce it. So it's better to, in my experience, if I'm in the car for extended periods, and this is something I actually, even knowing the science intuitively, or how do I say, um, just by habit, I haven't done, but intuitively I can feel in the car, like it's not totally normal sunlight. So more and more I've been wearing my yellow lenses when I'm in the car for extended periods of time, or I just, if I'm not on a freeway, I just open the windows or the overhead, uh, you know, the sunroof all open and, and let the light in. That's the ideal. But if you have to be in an enclosed space, you could wear the blue light protection glasses. I'd be careful except with maybe the dimmer red light therapy while driving, because if you blind yourself, that's a problem. Uh, but, you know, maybe the glow is dim enough that you could kind of shine, put it on your passenger seat or in your center console and kind of shine it up on your face potentially. Gotcha. Yep. Perfect. And then lastly, for those that are wearing prescription glasses, how can they integrate blue light blocking glasses? Because especially com, you just upload your prescription and we'll fulfill it for you. Uh, we have licensed opticians on staff who take care of that. So, you know, verifying everything. The only thing is we don't offer progressive prescriptions or multifocal. So if somebody needs readers, so, you know, some people have readers down here, distance up top on their lenses for close and far, well, then they would need to order two separate pairs. And if they reach out, you know, we'll be happy to help them with that process. But uh, that's basically how it works. So we offer readers or distance, so near vision or far vision lenses. All people have to do is upload their prescription, enter their pupillary distance, which is the space between the center of your eyes. You need it for any production of eyeglasses anywhere. And we'll actually fill that and we'll offer people the lenses with our specific pigments that we use for the protection and our frames. And also anti-reflective coating as well that we add, which normally when you buy, you know, they're charging $200 just for an AR coding at your average optician. So we bundle it all together for people uh, on our website. Amazing. And this question is especially specific for my mom, but I know it kind of goes the span of anyone that's especially irritated by fluorescent lights. What have you noticed with blue light blocking glasses and its effect on fluorescent lighting, which for some people, like you walk into a building and like automatically you're just, it's a harsh, abrasive energy they're like you walk into a grocery store. It's like you're trying to get out as fast as you can because that light is so yeah. irritable. Yeah. So notice with blue light blocking glasses and fluorescent lights. Yeah, they work really well because they completely take out both of our lens types, completely take out that very, very powerful spike of blue light at around 420 nanometers. So the clear lenses, they do a little bit more for, for the high blue light spike from fluorescence, but still very little compared to what needs to be done. Our lenses take it out of virtually a hundred percent. So people's mental response is significantly better. Uh, in other words, their hormonal, the very, very strong hormonal stimulation that's caused by that light is reduced. The retinal uh, damage effectively is significant. The oxidative stress based on the literature would be reduced significantly by our lenses. And, you know, that's, I would say most likely in addition to the hormonal 
balancing. That's why people feel such relief with our daylight lenses typically. The other thing I would just mention on a side note is that fluorescent lamps use mercury vapor uh, to produce the light. So they actually have mercury in the tube. They electrify that tube, that that um, substance in there, and it fluoresces. So it absorbs the light, the electricity, and then it emits. So it gets to an energized state, the mercury, and then it emits the photons characteristic of mercury's emission spectra. And so the interesting thing is for most human beings today who have higher levels of mercury in our body than we should, this, the wavelengths that activate mercury and mercury when it's in the body and it's dormant, it's typically not the a huge issue. It's not good, but it's also not going to produce the craziest symptoms necessarily. But when it becomes activated, like when people start detoxing mercury, that's when they can start to see a lot of problems if it happens too quickly because it starts circulating the body and getting into other tissues, et cetera. So it might already be causing an issue, but you don't want to get it out in other places and cause more issues, right? So anyway, fluorescent lamps emit the exact wavelength of light by virtue of the fact that it's created with mercury that's needed to activate the mercury within our body. So they're a really big issue for people. And that's part of why they'll cause migraines and so on. So our lenses help with that from the eye perspective, but from the rest of the body, you want to, I would keep my skin covered in a gotcha. situation like that. Great explanation. I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so yeah, Matt, you've been ext extremely gracious with your time. <laughs> my pleasure. It's great speaking with you. Yeah. This, this conversation has been again, illuminating on multiple levels. So for the people listening in the audience, where the, can they go to learn more about you um, and your company, Raw Optics? Yeah, so people can go to rawoptics.com. That's R-A optics, named after the Egyptian god of sunlight. Um, so rawoptics.com. And people can follow me on social media at The Light Diet on Instagram. I'm primarily on Instagram, also on Twitter or now X, but uh, not as active yet there. And then people can follow the company raw underscore optics on Instagram and also on X where we are not as active, but going to be more. I recommend people subscribe to our email list. So for updates, uh, kind of, let's say unique and exclusive information, we only send to our email list and certain discounts and deals, early access to certain products, et cetera, will be sent out to our email list and SMS list. So you go to optics.com, either scroll to the bottom and enter your email or people can just click on the pop-up and you'll actually get 10% off your first order if you do that um, with your email and phone number. So that's what I would recommend for people if they're interested in learning more and staying in touch. Perfect. Uh, yeah, so we'll leave all of those links in the show notes so you can go check out Matt and Raw Optics on those social media platforms and the website. But again, Matt, man, what an amazing conversation. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate everything you're doing for the space as a whole, educating on on light and and the light diet, and, and I'm sure we'll be I'm sure we'll be speaking more in the future, and I'll have you on again at some point. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks right back at you for all the work you're doing as well. Absolutely, appreciate it, brother. From Matt Maruka, this is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off. Another amazing episode of the Red Light Report. All you guys have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. 
I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.